Welcome back to another episode of the Launch Day Podcast. I'm here with Pete Hazelhurst. If you want to introduce yourself real quickly, mate, absolutely go for it. Um, yeah, great to meet you all. My name is Pete Hazelhurst, I'm the founder of Change, and very excited to be with you, team. Thank you, mate. Really appreciate you coming along. I know it was a bit of a trek for you, so <laughs> to have you here, mate, it's an absolute pleasure. I'm really happy to have you. So, look, uh, guys really cool really funny really distressing as a whole bunch of eccentric emotions filling the room right now because it has been many many months since i've actually produced and and you know had a podcast session at all um and a funny story to that and it's actually quite ironic because it has to do with health and pete is here and then change the franchise is all about health right and i'll get you to go into that in a minute uh, but for me, what had actually happened in March was I had a mild stroke. Yeah. I had a mild stroke, 27 years of age, wow. about, what, five days before my birthday. So, or even then at the time, if you really want to get down to the numbers, at the time, 26. Wow. So at age 26, mild TIA, mild stroke. Regardless, you know, if it's mild or not, stroke is a stroke in my books. And can I just tell you, like, it was actually terrifying. Uh, do you know what happens when people have a stroke at all or vaguely? I, I, have, a, I have a good idea. Um, I do know that there are very many different forms of stroke. So, you know, love to find out or yeah. what happened. Well, look, what I'll do, I'll actually demonstrate as well. And, and for those that are listening on Spotify or iHeart or, you know, even iTunes or Apple Podcasts, sorry. Uh, you know, you definitely have to jump online and check out the video because what I'm about to demonstrate is, is actually uh, pretty distressing. Wow. And so I was actually in the shower at the time. And to be honest, I, I didn't think that I was stressed at all at the time. They said it was a stress-induced stroke. Yep. Um, I didn't think I was stressed at the time. I, well, I mean, realistically speaking, I've, I've always had adversities at a, since a very young age. So being resilient and, you know, overcoming stress has always been like a, just a general part of my day. So, you know, I didn't think I was stressed, but realistically something was saying that I was, uh, when I was in the shower, I just had a moment like, you know, when you're in the shower and you, you, you just sort of wander off your daydream, it felt like a daydream, right? Complete daydream. There was, you know, just another day in the shower. And when I woke up from this really deep daydream, I was like, man, my face is really, I was using my left hand, which is very uncommon for me. And I was like, just touching it. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Right? My face is going off really sort of, you know, numb. And I'm like, this is really strange. It was just one of those moments where I'm like, what the hell is going on with my face? Like what happened? And then just as that had happened, I had looked down at my arm and, I, and I'll just stand up for this. But my arm was just dangling, literally just like that, dangling. And I, I sat there and I was like, okay, what the hell, this is crazy. 
and I went and I picked up my arm. It was like this, and it was just completely lifeless. And then I let go of it, and it was just dangling. I was in the shower the whole love. Right? So, terrifying. Yeah. I've, I've had many, many experiences to do with health. Um, this one was the most terrifying I had ever had. So, yeah, that, that was kind of the most major sort of health scenario that had happened to me during that time. And it was, it was, it was just, just, you know, even reminiscing on it, it was terrifying, absolutely yeah. terrifying. So, yeah. And then look along with that as well, over the months, there's been a whole heap of other health issues, you know, and yeah, just one after the other, it seems to have been. And yeah, now I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm in much better health now to a certain degree. Um, I, I can't say I've been to the gym or anything like that anytime <laughs> recently, Yeah. Uh, but I definitely want to make a comeback to it. I uh, definitely want to do that. And uh, <laughs> like on the topic of health, right? You guys are gonna, there's another update that I want to share. So I started a digital agency, right? Um, and there was always had the digital agency uh, roots there that I was going to do since going through my separation and everything like that and taking a break. I thought, no, no I'm going to start a digital marketing agency. But because of the stroke, I sat there and I thought, okay, what can I do uh, to earn an income without having to do too much, you know, time intensive labor, you know, time intensive work. And from there, literally a day after I had a stroke, <laughs> you got to laugh at this and gonna, you're going to slap me across the head and tell you people. <laughs> Um, I had actually got a phone call and said the day, the due date for a proposal for a pretty big contract has been pushed forward and I need it by tomorrow, 9am, if you'd like to be considered. So a day after my stroke, Pete, um, I, I, I sat there until like two o'clock in the morning creating a proposal a day after I had a stroke, uh, you know, and I ended up getting the contract. And here we are, fast forward, and Vivo Digital is now just recently valued at just over half a million dollars awesome. uh, in, in 120 days. Fantastic. And we're on our road now to, cool. if we can secure two or three more, then we'll be placed at that million dollar valuation. So a bit of both sides, right? Success, awesome. health issues. Yeah. I'm over the moon. Um, but yeah, so look, that's kind of for everyone else that's listening, that's been sort of waiting for another episode to come around. Wow. That's why we've been waiting. So, so the, the interesting thing is everybody always has what they believe to be good health until you don't. And that could happen, like you said, in you know the time it takes you to have a shower. Um, you believe that you have good health, but, but ultimately what are you doing to put yourself in a position to truly have good health? And we're not talking, you know, physical only we're talking both physical and mental and that that's the issue these days is people believe that you know we go to the gym we have a stressful job but you know what i lift some heavy weights and therefore i mean i'm in good health or um you know i go for a run and therefore i'm in good health um health isn't only physical it's very very much mental as well and you know people like yourself dean who love to say yes because you know, they enjoy the task or they enjoy the challenge, you know, 24 hours later, potentially after finding out that it was stress related, you probably took on one of the biggest tasks, which was, you know, here I go again, I'm going to try and win this tender. And, you know, with that comes stress. Yeah. This is where for myself, um, change is a journey about 
health and happiness. It's about feelings and emotions as much as what to some it is about weight loss or muscle gain as such. Um, and often we put 4% of your day out the picture. And I say 4% of your day because we look at about 45 minutes of training a day. Um, and if you look at 4% as a number, as, as a total number, it's extremely small. And if you see what it allows you to do, it's not the time that you spend inside the gym or inside a, a, a fitness studio that matters. It's what it allows you to do outside that actually counts. And for yourself at 26 to have a stroke is, you know, there's obviously multiple reasons behind that. But to be stressed at 26 years old to the degree where you have a stroke, you need a release. Mm -hmm. And for me, if I was in your shoes, that would be extremely scary. So, you know, by all means, I'm, I'm super happy that you're in a far better place today. But I don't want to scare you. It reoccurs. Yeah. And that's, the, that's what we find. I mean... Um, I was one of the last elective surgeries, and this was prior to COVID. Um, I went in for, for back surgery. I was, I think I was, what was that, 33? Um, and I had surgery on my lower back because I'd been training for eight years on and off. I'm not somebody who is what you would call a gym junkie or somebody who would, you know, go to the gym six days a week and, you know, pump, pump weights. And that, that's not who I am, but I come from... Um, a functional training background where you know the word hit comes from high intensity interval training so you would go in and you would just 45 minutes just smash your body um and then you know through multiple sports in in the background and multiple training sessions in the background i actually have a a bulging disc between l4 and l5 which then became a herniated disc because i wasn't looking after it and then before you knew it i was i was lying in a hospital bed and you know, at that point, I realized it's not all about, you know, lifting heavy weights and high intensity training because I had to go undergo three months of yoga, which at this point was only in front of a screen because I couldn't interact and go into a studio because due to COVID, it was all closed down. Um, but at that point, I realized that there needs to be a holistic approach to health and fitness. Mm. And if you understand that, you understand that there are benefits to every type of training. Mm. And I'm not one to say there is a single type of training that suits all because there isn't. But mm. as a rounded approach, if you're looking at becoming a happier, healthier human, which is what we focus on. So we focus on both physical and mental. Um, that's where the focus needs to be. Mm. So by all means, go and lift some weight. Mm. By all means, go into a yin flow um, at a local yoga session. Um, by all means, go and meditate, do some breath work. Um, and that's how you start building a, a healthier lifestyle through minor habits, which coming back to it is 4%. And I would love to know what you're doing now to, you know, Don't ask prevent <laughs> prevent what's going on. Because the, this this is the issue. We, we, know, we know what we should be doing. You yeah. know what you should be doing. In the back of your mind, um, you know what you should do. Yeah, You know, you should, you know, put aside, let's say, an hour a day to look after yourself. Because mm. that's how you're ultimately going to, whatever dreams of success that you have, if you can't get out of bed, you're not going to achieve them. Yeah. 
And if you can't, if, you know, you're very blessed in the fact that you can still sit here today. You've had a stroke at 26 and, you know, you can move your arms and, you know, you're you're one of the lucky ones because there's many people who have a stroke and unfortunately they have lifelong um, disabilities that come from that, you know. So, but what's changed? You're still driven. You're still motivated. You're still taking on jobs within 24 hours. Um, Look, if it helps, I go to the chiropractor and get a remedial. A fo- when's a yeah. fortnight. Yeah. It. And how do you feel? When you have a whatever remedial, how do you feel? It's fucking cool. So, so, so that that feeling, that release of um, dopamine, that that endorphins, that's the state that you want to be doing every day. Mm. You know, without spending eighty to a hundred dollars every time you have a remedial massage, mm. or even when you get a correction from from a Cairo. You know, these are things that we should be doing. You know, I'll be honest. I only started going to the Cairo and and see and getting the remedial. Purely on the basis that I had more health issues come up. Yeah. So, and, yeah. And you know, it, it, it's a chain reaction. We, we live in a society where we know what to do. It's never been easier to, you know, to, to focus on yourself than what it is today. It's always something, Pete, right? Because, you know, the, the excuse that I give myself, and I'll happily admit that it's an excuse. Yes. The excuse that I give myself is that I'm making sacrifices. So I say, look, I'm making sacrifices, you know, no longer single dad, but dad, two kids. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and they they have a lot that they need in terms of their father. And, you know, I agree with you on the side. Well, if your health isn't right, then you're not going to be there for your kids. Uh, but the excuse that I give myself for not doing it and choosing work over yep. maintaining my health is predominantly that approach of I'm making sacrifices. What I'll go and, and this is what I've always believed in, right, is, you know, people think, you know, fuck it, go party when you're younger. You can have different opinions if you're, whether you yeah. agree or not. But for me, it's like, I'm going to work my fucking ass off in my 20s yeah. and by 30s be so financially stable that, you know, everything. What if you're not here? Yeah. yeah what, if, what if you're not here? Yeah. What are your kids going to think then? Oh, they'd be, you know, distraught. I mean, this morning I just went to the book week parade for my daughter. <laughs> Yeah. Once she was done, she came running up those yeah. stairs and just almost toppled me down the stairs and, yeah. and I caught her and gave her a big hug. I, I couldn't imagine. Yeah. Because yeah. we always plan on being here in the future. Mm. We always plan. You know, none of us think we're going to die young. No. And then it happens. But what if? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I can guarantee you never plan on having a stroke at 26. No. You know, and and, and you, you look at health and a lot of people, and this is where there's such a big... Um, misconception. People look at health and think it's weight loss. They go, you know what? I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to be sick. And that's that's going to be it. And um, you know, no no disrespect from you. You know, you look like a healthy person. That's but, right. But stress will eat you alive. You know, and that's that's the issue that we face today. There's such a big misconception, and and gyms have this look and feel that you need to be healthy or fit. Um, to go into the gym. You know, that's the other challenge I have as well, Pete, right? Is that, um, so for me, if if things were easy, I'd, I'm not entertained by it, right? But when things are difficult, I'm like, man, I really love this challenge. Yeah. And I, and I really get, and it's like, so for me, I feel like, you know, I'm like a diamond under pressure, right? I perform at my best when I'm under, in high pressure, high stress situations. I actually perform my best. Your body doesn't think that. Well, you know. <laughs> your body, your body doesn't, your body doesn't perform under high pressure situations. But how do you, how do you change that? Like, because, you know, pun intended, of course, but yeah. uh, you know, how yeah. do you change that? Because for me, the habits. biggest challenge that I have, it's, uh, yeah, habits, but for me, it's conflicting, right? 
the stress puts me at a difficult situation health-wise, but the stress has also got me to a near million-dollar valuation in 120 days, Yeah, right? But because I perform my best under stressful situations. And so now even, even there's like a, a coping mechanism, like a, a fight or flight mechanism for me in my head that says, you know, I've got to build this company yeah. and, and make a lot of money so that way if something does happen to me health-wise, my, my kids are sorted and set up. Yeah. So there's like, there's all these kind of mixed eccentric type feelings and emotions that are flying around in my head. Yeah. And it's hard to differentiate between I need to look after my health because, um, you know, that's going to bring me success yeah. and live longer versus um, I perform under stressful situations and that's where I get my best results. And by all yeah. means, I'm not, I'm not somebody to say, you know, avoid stress and, you know, walk down the street. And, you know, you just, you know, forget all high pressure scenarios. No way at all. I mean, people enjoy parts and episodes of stress. Yeah. But you need a release. And for a lot of people, um, if you're going to bed at night and you're stressed, you're waking up in the middle of the night because you're stressed, um, you're going to work because you're stressed, that's not healthy. My watch can tell you that's three times a night for me. Yeah, that's so. that's not healthy. Yeah. Um, and and you, you need to change that. Because you, you can you can deal with stress relatively easily. It doesn't matter how high or how intense those stress levels are. You can deal with them at the time to deal with stress. Can I ask you what causes stress? What causes stress? For yourself. Um, it's a good question. Never actually asked myself that question. Yeah. So we're, we're going to go on a deep dive live on the podcast. It's, it's great. Uh, what causes stress for me? I think... Um, the the biggest cause for stress for me believe it or not is when my kindness or when something i do for someone or just the the type of character that i am is taken advantage of believe it or not like when when someone rings up like i had a client that's just come around to me and said dean here's 50 grand can you make me a million dollars in in eight weeks i said you know what Fuck yeah let's do it and i'm i'm thriving I like, for me, that's not stress. I'm like, I'm thoroughly enjoying that, that, that progress. For other people, it'd be so fucking stressful. Oh my God, a million dollars in, in eight weeks. What? That's crazy. You know, that's what would be going through their heads. For me, I'm like, yeah, let's get it. Fuck yeah, let's do it. I'm yeah. paid, you know, and I'm, I'm hungry for it. But it's when, for me, it's like historically, it's when a lot of the time I'm being taken advantage of. So if someone, you know, if I go out of my way to do something for someone, for example, or I feel like I'm disrespected in a way, yeah. um, and then as a result of that, there's some other follow-on effect or work to be done as a result. Yeah. That's when I find it stressful is when I don't enjoy it. Yeah. When I don't enjoy it, that's a good thing. Now I've worked it out. I've had to piece it all together. I've worked it out, right? It's, it's when I have to do something that's time intensive that I yeah. don't enjoy, right? So whether that be relationships, clients, if I'm not yeah. enjoying it, that's why it becomes stressful. Yeah. That's when my head explodes. See, for myself, for example, um, I put myself under financial stress from, mm. from time to time within the business. I'm a very big picture person yeah. and very much jump off a cliff, learn how to build a parachute on the way down. That's yeah, pretty that's much, too, right? you know, it's just like fucking we're, we're in, let's go. Um, you know, and those scenarios cause me stress, but they're self-inflicted. Yeah. So um, when I get to the bottom of the cliff and I've landed, I'm like, fuck, okay, I did it. 
all right? And then I get excitement and I'm like, That's okay, right. let's, let's go again. Yeah. What's, what's the next challenge? Um, but again, that's because it's self-inflicted. I can I can learn to kind of turn it on and turn it off. And because I don't have a fear of losing everything, um, I, ca- I come from nothing. I come from you know I was born in South Africa. I come from a very humble background. I have the most beautiful family in the world. Um, but the month was always too long for my for my parents. The money would run out um, before the end of the month. So I was brought up in a family where you know you know we we loved each other and. Um, you know, but 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 from times financially, life was a little bit stressful. Um, You're exactly like me. Like it, it blows my mind because I, I mean, even in some of my former podcasts, uh, yeah. you know, I talk about having spaghetti jaffles. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. on toast for dinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and and that is as part of like why I'm doing what I'm doing. The whole idea with you know jumping out of an airplane and building a parachute yeah. way down. I'm yeah. with you 100. percent Yeah. Um, and you're right. Maybe I'm disguising. So I just thought of that because when you said that, when you get to the bottom, you're like, fuck yeah, I did it. Yeah. And now I'm sort of asking myself, am I disguising where I land yeah. for the the great success without recognizing the stress I put myself through on the yeah. way down? You know? So no, like, I can relate to that because I've come from nothing. And then that that journey of yeah. adversities yeah. on the way through and then hitting the landing and succeeding. Yeah. So now I'm kind of finding similarities in your story to mine. So you've identified that stress primarily came from, you know, building that parachute. Yeah. Is that correct? Well, 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 my, 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 my stress comes from when I put myself in a position where, where there is, you know, a reward at the end. And that reward is building a brand, let's say building a team, building a culture, Mm -hmm. um, and achieving whatever it's set out in that strategy, mm-hmm. right? Um, but to get there, you know you're going to have to put yourself under, you know, sales targets. You know you're going to have to have build deadlines. There's going to be equipment orders that potentially, you know, but you know if you make that, you know, you've, you've succeeded. Like but along the character. way, you've yeah. got multiple challenges that cause stress. Mm-hmm. And... Fortunately or unfortunately, it's something that I've learned myself to to deal with. Um, you know, Emma, who is the, the the co-founder of Change, will tell you the same. She's also my life partner, um, my best friend, and you know, she's incredible. But there are times where even to my best friend, I shut down when. So my coping me- mechanism with stress is that I shut down and I just try and resolve this issue, whatever it is. Um, And some issues um, don't get resolved in half an hour or an hour. Yeah. Um, Some take a day, a week, a month, some even even longer. Um, But once I resolve them, that feeling of achievement and fucking we did this is what doesn't make me fearful to take on the next potential stress challenge. but this is something where I have my release. If I if I train, I feel good. If I swim in the ocean, I feel good. Mm. If I have a sauna, I feel good. It's that small release of of dopamine, and and this is I I I I I, I read this the other day. Um, cocaine releases two point five times dopamine, and it peaks in nine minutes. An ice bath for three minutes. I think I read 
this too. Yes, yeah. an ice bath for three minutes releases 2.5 times dopamine and it lasts for two and a half hours. Mm. Now those numbers might be slightly, you know, give or take a, a point here or there. Isn't that similar with cold showers as well? Is it like yeah. equivalent? Yeah, well, it's, it's, got, it's got a very similar effect, right? Yeah. But this is, you know, so, so, so when, I, when I see these scenarios that, that release dopamine and to someone like myself who, who gets easily excited, um, this is what I'm looking for. Um, and this is why I train. This is why, you know, I, I, I so strongly believe in, you know, recovery, whether it's saunas, ice baths, steam rooms. Um, we are 100% in because mm. the science is out there. I'm very much an emotionally driven man. Um, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve, but, you know, it's the science coming back to stress. You can't operate at your prime mm. when you're under stress for long periods of time. You can't. It doesn't matter what success you want. You know, you know. right now you're looking at a million-dollar business, I believe. By, by all means, you're going to achieve that. Um, mm -hmm. Let's say, are you going to reach a billion-dollar business potentially? Or mm. we we all have we all have the capabilities of, of of achieving greatness if that is what your greatness is. Mm. But if you cannot manage your stress, you're not going to achieve it. I went. This was when I was younger. I was probably I was probably about 22, 23 years old, and I was very much into you know these marketing conferences and you know that 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 to me was my my learning. Yeah, like the you go to the. Tony Robin Robbins. Kiyosaki, yeah, Tony yeah. Robbins, yeah. That's it. Um, I, I didn't go to university. Um, I, fi I finished high school, but I, I always knew that I, that I wanted to be successful. I, I knew that. I didn't at the time know what it was going to be, um, but I knew that you know I wanted to, to create success and, I guess, financial freedom. Mm. And I went to this three-day seminar in Sydney, and it was, um, you know, I, I think the, 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 the headline speaker on day one was Robert Kiyosaki, um, day two was Tony Robbins and, you know, day three was Donald Trump. This was, you know, when he still had, um, you know, what was that? What was the program he had um, where he said, you're fired? Um, what was it? Oh, it was Undercover Boss or something? No, no, it was, um, what was it? What was it? I can't remember. I'll tell you guys, I'll tell you guys in a second. It's going to come back to me. Yeah. Um, the Apprentice. That's the Apprentice. Okay. That was it. So so he was, at, at this time, he was at the height of businessman um, entrepreneurship in, in, in America and and to some degree the Western world, but what what to me what to me was, um, and you're gonna you're gonna relate to this is what to me was was really interesting is I, I used to go to these events and you know they would cost something like you know three to five thousand dollars for the three days, and you know. It, all, all the all the kind of um, speakers prior to the headline speakers would be telling you, you know, that you can do it. You know, Tony Robbins, you know, you know, clap and you know, you can do it. You've got it. And then Donald Trump came up, and this is at the end of the three days. He came up and he said, you know, ninety five percent of you will never succeed in business because you can't deal with the pressure. Mm. And that to me is where everything started making sense. If you can't deal with the pressure of owning a business, you're never gonna be successful. Mm. Because you might get a million dollar company, right? Yeah. If 
you have a second stroke or a third stroke, and you know, I pray you don't, but let's say that happens, um, you're going to have to make drastic changes in your life. And the first thing will be quit everything you do. Yeah. Because what you're doing is not working. And that might be, you know, before that happens, you need to have a look at what you're doing. I really think, you know, when I look at my stroke, I really truly think that it was just, for the most part, my situation at home. Mm-hmm. Right? At the time, uh, you know, technically single dad, I was seeing someone, uh, they yeah. were overseas at the time, um, but, you know, single dad, mm-hmm. trying to run a business, maintain a house, meet your kids' emotional needs. Yeah. Um, so I think being a single dad and pairing that with a business, business I love. Like the thing is, is like I can do that, you know, like thoroughly and happily, very, very happily. Yeah. So, you know, when people are like, what do you do for a hobby business? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually genuinely enjoy business. So going through the pressure of business, I find thriving, um, you know, I'm thriving in those situations. I actually yeah. love it. I love yeah, every yeah. challenge it gets thrown away. Yeah, awesome. Um, but I think it was, you know, a lot of that was sort of stress from home because home is supposed to be that kind of safe haven as well, right? You come yeah. home, you see your kids, you're happy, uh, you know what I mean? But it was, I was having a hard time with that at home, especially by myself and yeah. having to juggle between both. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, so I, and I see that and I, I like the Donald Trump quote because that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 95% of you won't succeed because you can't handle the pressure. Yeah. I've had extremely stressful situations even here, but yeah. then, you know, my staff are freaking out. I go, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're literally losing their bananas over it. And I'm like, no, it's good. Yeah. It's all good. Don't stress. We lost a contract. That's okay. We'll get another one. Exactly. You know, really calm about it. So, yeah, I, I mean, that that does make a lot of sense. And as, as we keep talking about it, right, I'm, I'm starting to look inwards and, and discover a little more about myself and try and figure out where where that is, right, and how I yeah. can maintain it and manage it. Because you're right, you know, just even the thought of daddy's not here anymore. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah. it roots my stomach out. Like, seriously, it, it hurts. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I've got... I've got four children, um, you know, and they're extremely young. The oldest one is five. Yeah. So as you can imagine, um, you know, we've got twins, so, you know, they're, they're two, so it's, you know, extremely busy. Um, and everything you do is for them. Right. right. In, the, in the background, everything you do, because I have a very similar mindset. I, you know, I want to be retired by the time I'm 50 and my children will be 18 and, you know, I want to travel the world. That's ultimately That's right. what I want to do. Um, but you need to be happy and you need to be healthy. And coming back to habits, you have an hour every day. Every, everybody does. Everybody has an hour a day. I don't care how busy you are, how many companies you run, how big your family is, you have an hour a day mm. to put into yourself. Now, you might not have time to drive half an hour to a gym. You might not have time to you know jump on a bus or jump on a train if that's what you need to do. But you can do as little as you know, looking at a YouTube workout in your living room and you can go and do that for half an hour with the door closed um, whilst your children are, you know, falling asleep, going to bed. Yeah. Just that alone will improve your overall health tremendously. And that's the issue. Most people look at when they say, you know, you need to get fit. They think, shit, I need to go to a gym. That's that's, that's the first place I need to go. Um, No, you don't. Um, you can easily get fit sitting in your, not sitting, but you can easily get fit 
um, from your living room or from your garage or from your dining room, whatever it may be, as a start. Because once you start that movement, and, and that's all we talk about. When we talk about um, health, we talk about movement. You know, yeah. going to the gym, lifting weights is a movement. Going to the gym, doing yoga is a movement. Doing reformer Pilates is a movement. Um, that as an individual concept, you can do anywhere, Literally. any time, any place. And it's sad that most people have to get to the point of where they are, you know, obese, where they have a stroke, where they can't tie their own shoelaces before they go, okay, I'm at the point now where you know, I need to look after myself because it is extremely difficult once you get to that point to get back to where you once were happy and healthy and, you know, flexible and, you know, um, I guess at your prime, let's say, when people refer to that. Um, mm. e even myself, I I go through moments and times where, where I don't train. Um, I, I, I pretty much live in a gym and there are times where I let myself go and... You know, not only do you then start feeling self-conscious, but you start, you know, pulling in on yourself because, you know, you don't feel good. Mm. You know, you don't look good when you're looking in the mirror. And, you know, it's difficult for me at times. So I can only imagine for, for people who have to make that effort to get to a gym, how difficult it would be for them. And, you know, we have people... I shared on my on my Facebook the other day. Um, we we had a gentleman who who was about eighty six years old um, in a in a in a wheelchair mm. who came to change, and all he did was sit at sit on a, a ski erg, and this was for thirty six minutes. Every time that there was a session, he would just sit there in his in his wheelchair. So he had a he had a mobile wheelchair, and he just got in the ski erg, and every Every set that we had, he would get on the ski erg and he would go and do his set. So everybody would move around him and then he would do his set again. Mm. He was 86 years old in a wheelchair and I think, what the fuck is my excuse? Why will I stop today? Why will I not go to the gym today? When yeah. this guy turns up on his wheelchair, you know, he could not read the movements on the wall, but he actually had a, a piece of paper stuck onto the ski erg. Mm with his workouts and if he can do it at 86 why can't we do it four percent of your day four percent of your day and you know when you have when you have children it's not just about going through life with them it's about living life with them you want to go to the park and you want to run around and you want to kick that football um when you meet someone new um, in life, because let's say a lot of the, the people listening don't have children, you want to meet someone on a date and go, hey, let's go climb a mountain. You know, you want to be in a position where physically you have no limitations. Yeah. And I'm not saying go to the extreme. Um, by all means, you know, there are people out there who want to take life to the extreme. I'm just saying half an hour, 45 minutes a day, mm. it will change your trajectory on life. It will change everything. And for yourself, where stress is where stress is, you know, a huge part of your life. And, and I still believe that there is some discrepancy as to what causes it. Because in the beginning, it was business. And, it, you know, a second ago, it was family, you know, and it's most likely a combination of both because what you went through is separation, especially when children are involved. Um, it, it, it's one of the hardest things in the world to do. 
um, and, and, it, and it doesn't end. It because me apart. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's constant. I, I, went, I, I went through it myself, um, mm. you know, and, um, and it's, it's, it's full on, especially as, you know, the man of the house and, you know, and, and I don't say that, you know, to offend anyone, I say that from a traditional point of view where, you know, you're meant to be a strong man and you're meant to be somebody who can, you know, carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. There are times where it's fucking hard. Like life gets hard, let alone, you know, when you've got kids to support and you've got two households to to then support and, and everything else coming on, especially when, you know, new jobs are coming in and finances are tight and, you know, it's not easy to make money. Yeah. Oh, well, look, man, I haven't paid myself in three months. Yeah. And it's like every single time I think about paying myself, I end up hiring another person to yeah. fill a gap. You yeah. Know? And I'm really grateful now because, like, the partner that I have now, uh, she is... Yeah, man, she drives me crazy sometimes, I tell you. Uh, but she does drive me very well. Like, she, she gives me a lot of drive um, and, and challenges the way that I think as well. Yeah. And sometimes I can be, you know, a little bit uh, a little bit stubborn uh, and, you know, say, no, you, you know, that's, no, that's not what it's about. This is what's happening. And then, But I do listen. And I've, I've told her this, right? So communication between her and I is, is pretty good pretty good there's a, there's always room for improvement in every relationship but i can say that it is pretty good yeah uh, and i'm grateful i'm really really grateful for that and for her as well and uh it does it does challenge me like i've been soft drink free for like five six weeks now why health i don't you know do you know what actually funny because about six weeks ago um i had the chicken pox <laughs> well fucking believe it i fucking made it. you're kidding me of the yeah, fucking yeah. chicken pox. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was, it was dreadful. Absolutely yeah. dreadful. The whole time she was there nursing me, looking after me. And it yeah. was just remarkable. And to have a partner like that yeah, as well yeah. was just amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, and the the thing was, was that the whole time I'm like, nah, I'm not. I'm just going to eat fruit. I'm going to have water. Um, and for me, I was like, it's always an urge. Like the vending machine here at my office, right? Uh, the coke would disappear after like two weeks and you think, oh, where'd it go? And it's like, yeah, that guy's off his... Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it was really bad, right? Yeah. And I thought, I really like the bubbles, but I need the hydration and I need it to be clean. Yeah. yeah. And if it has a little bit of sodium in it too, fantastic, because then that yeah. helps with, you know, hunger urges as well to go yeah. and eat things like chocolate and sweets, yeah, yeah. which I still do, but not yeah. as bad as before. Yeah. Um, so I used to eat a whole cake to myself before. Jeez, you know, <laughs> it blows my mind even thinking yeah. about it now. Yeah. But yeah, like, so, the, you know, and that was, it was an encouragement from her too. And she helps me stay accountable on that too. And so, you know, to go through everything that I went through, even though now there's still some times, even at home, that can be pretty stressful. Um, I, I still find that it is better than how yeah. it has been in the past. And I, I yeah. see progress, which is good. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, definitely, man. But hey, listen, Pete. Yes. We, we've talked about health and mindset and, and change and things like that. Yes. Uh, the Launch Day podcast was yeah. created to be, you know, helping people who are currently in business, who awesome. want to grow, um, you know, maybe stuck in just by themselves or a small team and have trouble growing. And I think that what you've shared with us so far is actually yeah. an important role in that as well. Yeah. But there's also the people that want to start a business and haven't even gotten their feet wet, right? So, man, you've got a couple of projects under your belt. Do you want to do you want to start with like where you actually started from the very beginning? To, yeah, you know, it's, well, we're talking nightclubs here and, and events. And, yeah, 
Yeah, run me through that. So I arrived, um, I arrived in Australia. So I was born in South Africa. I lived there till I was 12. When I was 18, I wanted to travel the world. Um, and I arrived in, in a place called Sydney, Australia. It was the day that the Sydney Swans won the AFL final. And I had no idea what AFL was. It was, you know, a complete strange sport. But, um, but I arrived on that day and I thought, look, Sydney's electric. I, I loved it. Um, I spent the first two years traveling Australia. And I believe Australia is the best country in the world. Um, you know, I, I, at the time I could live anywhere. And, you know, I just thought, you know, this is, this is the place I want to, you know, this is the place I want to be. This is the place I want to raise a family. Um, and I started working. Yeah. The, the, the first thing that I started working was, was in nightclubs and in promotions and, and I guess to a degree marketing as such. And, um, I was always happy in talking to people and trying to bring people in. And, you know, this was the time when Sydney light nightlife was just electric. I mean, King's Cross was buzzing. I remember, you know, it was, it was, it was electric. It was, there, there was a cult and, um, it was, it was awesome. Right. Yeah. And, um, but I always knew that I wanted to, to do more than, than just that. So, um, when I started traveling and this is going to be a bit of a fun story, but when I first started traveling, I had, I'd saved up money from, from working in England, um, where I started working at about 13. Um, I used to pick up golf balls in a, in a driving range. That was my first, that was my first job. So I was that guy in a buggy picking up golf balls, so starting early mornings. I think it was about 4am, which in England where it was about minus five degrees. And, but, um, I was always, I was always happy to work. Mm. You know, I, I enjoy working. I enjoy earning money. But, um, but when I was 18, I had enough money to go, to go traveling. And, um, and, um, the first place I went was back to South Africa. I wanted to go to South Africa, not as, not as a local, but more as a tourist. I wanted to travel South Africa and I wanted to travel Southern Africa. But whilst I was there, my uncle owns a farm and I bought, I bought a hundred sheep. It's my first ever real investment. Wow. And it's a good investment. It's, it's a great investment. And to anybody laughing at the moment, it's, yeah. it's a um, sheep lamb twice a year. That's right. And uh, for anybody who understands numbers is, you know, you got a hundred in, in, in 12 months time, there's a chance that you're going to have 300. Obviously I had fees that I had to pay to my uncle as the farmer. Um, you know, he took 40% of everything that we made, but two years later, I'd continued traveling. And two years later, I think I had about, you know, I think it was about 300 or maybe 400 sheep. I sold, I sold those sheep and I started my first company and, um, that company was called IROC Entertainment. And um, that company was, was first and foremost, what we did was we filled nightclubs. That was the first real role I had. Now, for any nightclub at the time to have a base crowd was, you know, great because people would walk in and see that as busy and therefore they would stick around. Um, and then nightclubs would pay us $3 per person that would, we, we would get in there. Um, and we used to go around to backpackers and basically get them out of the hostels, get them into the nightclubs. We would get $3 a head. And, you know, if you could put a thousand people a night into pubs and clubs. Oh, making three grand a night. Three grand. That's right. You know, um, and that then grew a little bit. I then had an idea where at the time there was, it was the very start of electronic tickets. But prior to that, um, companies like Fuzzy, for example, wanted distribution. So I went to SDA travel and student flights and I said, look, if you guys could be the distribution hub, um, I can get you bums on seats. I can get 
students and I could get backpackers to come and purchase tickets to festivals that they want to go to. And we're talking a, a fuzzy event like, you know, at the time there was Sure Thing and um, Field Day. You're talking 40,000 or 30,000 people per event. So we're talking right. thousands of people. Um, fuzzy would give me a clip of the tickets and student flights wouldn't take anything because all they wanted was to get bums on seats. And um, I set up this, this this partnership between myself and Fuzzy and student flights and SDA Travel where pretty much they could be distribution hubs. And I I basically printed money for a couple of years. It was great. Well, what would you call that, Ryan? Because like, <laughs> like there's been a few episodes where I've spoken to people and I've said, this is called brokering. Yeah. And so you don't actually, to start a business, and you, if you listen to my, the very first episode with Phil Raish, he started a printing company, yes. right? But he had no printers. Yes. He, didn't, he didn't own a single printer. So all he did was he he walked up to the printer and said, oh, hey, you know, like, um, you know, can you print this for me? I'm paraphrasing here, right? But yes. can you print this for me? I'm like a wholesaler, um, you know, sorry, like I want a wholesale arrangement because yes. I'm going to be a print broker. I'm going to go out there, find the customers and I just get you to print it. And then yes. they're like, yep, yeah, no worries. So if this costs 100 I uh, will get into you for 80. And yeah. they used to go out there and sell it for like 110, 120. Yeah, yeah. And he was making the margins, making the margins, making yeah. the margins. So would you would you say that that you were brokering? Yeah, I, I, I guess you started? can. I guess you can look at it and say I was brokering. And you know, I, I I set up almost like a like this joint venture where pretty much I took brands that I believe would work really well together, um, and and I, and, I, and, I, and I put them in the same room. But you see how amazing it is that it's as simple as just seeing something that someone doesn't yeah. and then being the person in the middle. Yeah. Right? That was it. That, that is honestly how easy it is. Like even yeah. for me, you know, earlier last year I was selling rapid antigen tests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone like, and man, dude, you know, when I say I, was, I did like one and a half mil, yeah. right, in, in revenue. Can't say that that's profit, but <laughs> one and a half mil yeah. revenue. But yeah. if you look at 90% of our customers, uh, probably about maybe a week, two weeks into it, I got rid of consumer sales and I just went, you know what, there's a lot of businesses that need this and they're going to need this for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, for me, it was just identifying that little gap. Yeah. While everyone else was selling to every Tom, Dick and Harry that come came to their, their doorstep, yeah. I was like, no, no, ABN compulsory to check out. Yeah, yeah. And then we started getting seriously NASA. Yeah, talking yeah. the international space agency for the secret <laughs> location in canberra yeah. can't say where they are i won't i won't share yeah. but nasa yeah. right um, yeah. you know red bull places like them yeah. uh phillips yeah uh, energy companies farms we're talking pretty much every person under the yeah. sun uh that has a very large size enterprise right yeah we're hitting our doorsteps and it was just identifying that that opportunity yeah so i like that for you as brokering and also identifying an opportunity where yeah. you can connect some dots. And then as yeah. an outcome of that, you actually yeah. get some good dough. It, it, it was great. And look, um, I had a, you know, along the journey of, of, of starting IROC Entertainment, um, there was a, a, at the time, a mentor of mine. And um, he then became a, a business partner. His name was Jason Samet. Um, he ran a, a huge event um, every Tuesday night. And, um, you know, we went into partnership together where pretty much I would get, you know, 50% of this event. Um, it was called Coyote Tuesday and he would get 50% of IROC Entertainment. And um, partnerships are so important, especially, you know, he comes in with 
a very calm and collective analytical mindset um, whereby I'm, I'm at times reactive, emotionally driven, you know, um, you know, so we, we made this perfect team. But, but through iRock Entertainment, we started doing a lot of marketing, not only for, for nightclubs. And um, we started then, we, we looked at a company um, called New Walk Media, which had the, the pretty much the lit up LED billboards on your back. We purchased that company. Um, that company failed, which, you know, I could maybe talk about later on. But, but you know, um, through this, I was at Hugo's in, in the cross mm. and... Um, I met two brothers who had a gym in Bondi Beach, and they said, "Look, you know, come and come and see me. Um, we'd love to find out how we can, you know, get more members into the gym." And and marketing, marketing is marketing is marketing, right? And I believe if you're good at marketing, you're good at marketing. There's just you've just got something that mm. that enables you to to know what people want and to put it in a in in a um in a format that attracts them to whether it's a product or a service mm. but um i went and met them in bondi beach and i'm sitting there i, I remember a clear as day um <clears throat> and i kind of went through the business model of this this fitness business model and 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 you look at you look at a a model that that is subscription based you look at the biggest companies in the world today are subscription based you know google um, well, so they Netflix. Take their income. Well, that's it. You know, you've got this money coming in, right? I come from nightclubs. I don't know if you know it's going to rain tonight <laughs> and we're going to get a hundred people turn up, or if it's going to be a sunshine day and we're going to get a thousand people turn up. That's I've right. got no idea if I'm making money this month or if I'm not. That's right. And then I'm looking at this model, going, so you're telling me people sign up for twelve months. This is a guaranteed income, and all I have to do is provide them a space that's clean that's friendly where they feel welcome um and i help them achieve their what we call their why and they're going to stay it's a gold mine can i ask but like how did you have you ever like had you ever stepped foot into a gym prior to that you're in there you're in there i was i'm somebody who was you know, growing up, I used to play sport and, you know, yeah. you got a fast metabolism, you know, you go out yeah. on the weekends, you know, you're feeling good. Um, you know, so fitness to me was never looking, you know, big or having a six pack or, you know, yes, that's a good byproduct and by all means, um, you feel great, but it was never a big part of my life. Mm. And I then, relate to that. Yeah. yeah. And then I, I was sat there and, during this during this this meeting that I'm having with them, um, they go, "Are you interested to buy into the gym?" And me being myself, go, "Yeah." Like, what do you want for it? And they're like, "Look, well, we've got our business partner wants to buy out." Mm. I'm like, "Okay, great." Today I'm more, "Why does he want to buy out? What's going on?" <laughs> Um, but then um, back then I'm going, yeah, let, let's let's do it. Like I'm like, what, what like what is one for? They're like, oh, he wants a hundred thousand. And I'm in my head doing quick maths, and I'm thinking a hundred thousand. I'm like, well, what's your equipment worth? They're like, oh, it's four hundred thousand. Um, we owe about two hundred thousand. I'm thinking, do you know what? Worst case scenario, I can sell the equipment. I can at least get my money back. Yeah. So they're like, well, he wants a hundred thousand. I say, I give him fifty thousand. No word of a lie. I go give him fifty. They're like, look, I'll, 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 we're going to give him a call. 
So they walk away, give them, make this phone call. They walk back and they're like, look, you'll take 55. Wow. And I'm going, I don't even have 50,000. Yeah. But I told him I'll do it. So I have to do it. Yeah. Like he wants his money by the end of the week. Fuck. And I'm sitting there going, <laughs> I, I think at the time I might have had, let's say, $25,000 in, in, in our company account, yeah. which, um, you know, as a startup, you're going, you know what? Um, all right. Now I've got to call Jason. Yeah. I've got to call Jason and tell Jason that we're going to buy a gym. I call Jason. I go, Jace, maybe we, we're going to buy a gym. He goes, fuck off, Pete. We're not buying a gym. They lose money. I go, Jace, we're going to buy a gym. He goes, mate, I'm not fucking buying a gym with you, Pete. I said, Jace, trust me. Gyms are good. He goes, Pete, you're going to lose money. Yeah. And and this is after New York Media closed. Um, so I'm not, I haven't got that many good runs on the board. Right. But I'm in. Yeah. So I go and buy this gym. I actually go and loan some money off a friend and I buy this gym. I buy 50% of it. And it's a fucking nightmare. It's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. There's no fairy tale in the first 12 months. No. At all. There's no systems. The operations are terrible. We're late on rent. Um, you know, there's, there's cash payments coming out. It's just not what you would call a good business. No. But long story short, we start seeing this trend where we're like, you know what? If we clean up our act um, and we implement systems, we can make good money. The biggest issue that we had was there wasn't um, there wasn't enough space to to hold the members during peak times, and also you know there was this new trend of functional training coming around. So we decided to go all in, and at this point, Jason's like, "Pete, I see potential. You know, we're not making any money yet. You talk about not earning a wage as such; it's very, very common." Um, yeah. you know, if you don't want to earn a salary, go and start your own business. But we basically get to the point where we need to move because capacity is an issue. They're going to close the space down because they're renovating or, you know, there's, there's something coming up. I can't remember. And we go and find this Thai restaurant called Intratai. Okay. And Intratai was on Kalua street and it wasn't that big. It was probably about 250 square meters, but behind it was another 250 square meters, which was a grass patch. Um, it was terrible. There was nothing there. It was pretty much somebody's back garden. We went to the landlords and said, look, we'll sign the lease on a 10-year term. However, we want to develop the back of this lease. And they said, look, if you build it, you can have it for free for 10 years. Now, anybody... Who, who knows a little bit about, you know, commercial space in Bondi. Um, it, it is so hard to come by, especially today. But back then it was, it was just as hard. Um, so we built a 500 square meter space and we called it Beach Fruit. We rebranded, we opened it up and it was beautiful. It was everything we wanted to, to be the colors, you know, just the design. We got new equipment. It was beautiful and it started to take off and then we had this guy called rob deutsch and adam gilchrist come in and say we've got this concept called f45 and you know we'd love to give you the bondi territory as long as you know you can find a space where you know you do class 
like group training and we're like yeah let, let's do it you know we we want some input these guys have tv you know tvs with exercises on it and you know let, let's start doing it mm. so we signed at the time it was a license agreement with f45 and between class times and it's it's ludicrous thinking about it today but between you know peak times we would move everybody off this designated space in the gym and run an f45 class so you can imagine as strict as a brand of f45 is today back then it was obviously a little bit loose and um it wasn't long before we had more members at f45 than what we had in the gym so we had to move it so we had to build you know an f45 space which is so difficult to come by in bondi beach but we found a space and then 12 months later we had to move it again because we outgrew that space and then yeah i think it was something as as, as ludicrous as maybe let's say six or 12 months later we had to move that again so we built three f45s in the space of about two to three years and what we had set up was the ultimate training space in a in a in a territory where you can't find space mm. so long story short was we owned the number one f45 in the world for seven years in a row wow and we got it to a point where we had i think it was 750 members and it was one in one out and going back to to the nightclub days you know, when you leave this membership at F45 in Bondi Beach to come back in, you had to go on a wait list and you, your pricing would also be canceled as well. So we had this perfect storm where no one would leave and everybody wanted to join. And talking about numbers, you know, as a collective, I believe the numbers were close to 2.4 million in, in revenue and just over a million in net profit. So we started this this business out of nothing, you know, literally a meeting from iRock Entertainment, which then turned into owning fifty percent of this of this business, and then turned it into the number one F forty five in the world. We still had Beach Fit, um, and and success builds success. That's right. You know, when you have opportunities. Um, you then build more opportunities. And what we had was we had F45 next to that. We had Beach Fit. And then next to that, um, we opened a burger bar called Milky Lane, which, you know, the story on that, you know, to a lot of people in Australia speaks for itself. It it just exploded. And, and that's what introduced me as, a franchisor because the brand was so big um, that so many people wanted it in their city or their town. But you know, opening opening a restaurant costs you, let's say, eight hundred thousand to a million dollars, and you know, in anybody's language, that's a lot of money. You know, so we started franchising. So um, I was a franchisee at F forty five, and then I became a franchisor with Milky Lane. Um, you know, and, you know, it, it, it was great. It was a great journey. Um, I learned so much, you know, and, you know, I, you learn most when when things go wrong That's or, right. you know, or when you fail. And um, everything I learned from F45 and everything I learned from, 
from Milky Lane put me in a position where in 2020, I, I, I sold out of everything. I sold out of F45, Beach Fit, Milky Lane. I sold out of everything to open change because, you know, when you're young and you're eager, you believe, you know, you want fingers in every part. You know, an opportunity comes up, you're like, fuck yeah, I'll do that. You know, Milky Lane, yeah, cool, let's do that. Let's let's go for it. Um, you know, I had Anytime Fitnesses over in the Philippines. Um, you know, we were talking about just, you know, you say yes to everything and then you look at it and you go, I'm not actually earning much money from these 10 things in front of me. And it's taking a lot of my time. Mm-hmm. Whereby I had this cash cow, which was F45 and Beach Fit. And I had these nine other, you know, <laughs> ventures that were taking a lot of my time and a lot of my energy. And I was thinking, fuck, I don't even have time for myself and, you know, the people around that, that matter. Mm. And at that time, you know, you, 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 you had a stroke. And um, at that time, I had, I had severe back pain, you know, and I was doing everything for everybody, for every company, you know, running around, trying to stay fit and your body gives in. Whether it's a stroke, I had a herniated disc, um, but your body just says, stop. You can't continue doing all of this. Um, And that was it for me. Like I said, um, everything changed when I had to start doing yoga and, everything changed to me, the whole landscape of, you know, what my priorities are and, you know, where I want to put my time and attention. And, you know, that all changed in an instant because you can have money and you can have, you know, different ventures and different business partners. And it sounds selfish, but it has to serve you. And if it doesn't serve you, you have to change. And I'm not saying go into the office if you have a bad day, the next day resign. Fuck no. Hard hard times, I'd go, yeah, hard times are gonna be hard times. To to anybody, you know, listening, listening today, um, hard times do build tough people, without a doubt. But they need to be positive hard times. You need, need to be working on a positive, on a positive project with positive people, and it needs to be hard times. It needs to be like one step, uh, one step back, two forward, not two steps back, one forward. Yeah, right. So, and I, and I can totally relate to that. And you know, at the beginning of the year, I was I was trying to do everything. <clears throat> so even with so old before the stroke, I was trying to run a podcast, uh, trying to go into business with someone doing just video. And then also trying to start a uh, telco company that sold business phone plans and have a business partner there and, you know, then to a marketing agency and then do this and then do that. Yep. And it was just all this chaos. Yep. Um, and, and whilst I enjoyed it, it does stack on stress in terms yep. of... And the thing is, is that, you know, the way I'm looking at it now as well is that stress can be the referral from something as opposed to that yep. task itself. So when I look at this situation, I go and say, well, I was doing all these things. And whilst I thought in my head, I am building businesses, right? Um, I was actually adding stress, but even though I enjoyed business, it was the other things that I didn't have time for that became more stressful as a result of the lack of time. Yeah. You know, so I can see that for sure. 
So you've had a, quite a journey, dude. Like in I have, terms of all the different things. That there's you- a there's a um there's an ego side mm. to entrepreneurship that a lot of people don't talk about. Um, there are there are people who call themselves entrepreneurs who are egotistically driven. Yeah, they believe it is cool to be an entrepreneur, and it is not. They believe it is cool to call yourself an entrepreneur when truthfully they are self-employed and they don't understand the difference Mm. between truthfully being an entrepreneur. Um, And and, and I I, I don't, I'm not somebody who loves the word at all. Um, You know, I believe the majority of people who call themselves entrepreneurs today are self-employed. I believe, you know, the, the side to entrepreneurship that nobody talks about um, is that a lot of the time it's it's ego driven. You know, I have a lot of companies. Hi, I'm Dean. I have a telco company. I have um, a, a filming company. I have my own podcast. I have yeah, that sounds fucking great. But you also had a stroke at 27, man. That's right. You know, there's nothing cool about that. Hi, hi, I'm Pete. You know, I have I I own. I am a founder of Milky Lane. I own multiple F45s. I own gyms in the Philippines. Um, yes, we had we bought F45 territories in in LA. Yes, I am one of the partners of Lost Paradise. Um, yeah, it sounds fucking cool, but honestly, it's not. Because yeah. first of all, the majority of companies don't make money, right? So you look at it. You look at how difficult it is to make money today it is extremely difficult to make money anybody listening to the podcast who thinks you know i'm gonna i'm gonna start a company i'm going to employ people and i'm going to make money you know it is unrealistic you're you're going you're going to start a company yes it takes about what 24 hours to have an abn year year in australia fantastic good on you um you then have to you know you know, first of all, get clients. You then have to, um, you know, build a brand. You then have to understand that you're going to have to employ people, pay super, um, pay taxes. And then you want to take some yourself. And then if you at any time remove yourself from the business and the business fails, you are self-employed and you're working for the hour. And that is the difficulty of true entrepreneurship where you can step away and then you have a business that operates by itself with the people and the culture that you have created. And you can then from that generate revenue for yourself and your family and the people around you. And you can create wealth and opportunities for them. That is entrepreneurship. And that I believe is cool. I think, you know, like just on the back of that and, you know, earlier this year, just to add to that topic, um, you know, it was ego. It was ego, like even on my little business card, it's had their, oh yeah, this, this, that, that, and the other. And so the beginning of the year, it was ego. Cause I thought, you know what, I'm invincible. I can do whatever I want. Like, you know, I've got all the experience yeah. uh, necessary to do these things. And you know what? I'm right. Like I, I do have the experience necessary to do those things. I mean, I, I did one and a half million dollars in a single quarter. Yes, it was a hot product, but you know, there was other people that also got into that game that have been in business for longer than I have. And they just didn't pull yeah. it off. Right, and it all is marketing and sales, in my opinion. But did having that ego serve me well? No, and it, it sounds like it was similar to what you experienced yeah. as well, right? Is because you started having health issues, you started going, "Oh no, this doesn't serve me." And for those that are listening, it's hard to be an entrepreneur, and we shouldn't mistake 
being an entrepreneur for being self-employed and just wanting to be self-employed with no staff. Yeah. Because, you know, like I have a bit of a differentiating opinion. Like, Pete, if you turned around to me and said, Dean, um, I want you to make 100K in the next six months, I'll shake your hand and I'll do it. Right? And I will. Is that personally or? Yeah, personally, in business, in terms <laughs> yeah, yeah. of going out there, getting deals, getting sales. Are you, talking, are you talking revenue or are you talking profit? Revenue. But if I'm self-employed and the only yeah. thing that's required, there's no expenses, let's just say, I don't know, you run a copywriting business. Yeah. Hypothetically speaking. Yeah. I'll go do it. Yeah. Right? Will I get there? Maybe, maybe not. Will I get halfway there? More than likely, in my opinion, yeah. in that six-month time frame. Yeah. But in terms of being able to earn my own income for doing something like that, yeah. I can do it. But I think a lot of other people can do that too. But, and I wholeheartedly agree with you on the flip side of that, yeah. which is to become an entrepreneur, to be someone who builds something, employs people, builds a brand, yeah. that is not something where you can just start expecting that you can do that over the... Do you know what I mean? 100%. The, the way people get confused and... Um, I don't mean to come across as rude, but revenue is an easy game. Correct. Revenue is an easy game. You want you want to go, you know, earn a hundred thousand in in revenue. Go and buy, set up a company today. Get a car dealership license. Go and buy a hundred thousand dollar BMW and go and sell it for a hundred and five thousand dollars. Cool. You've got your hundred thousand in revenue. That's right. You've only <laughs> made you've only right. you've only made five thousand dollars. Which by the time you've paid your taxes, by the time you know you've We've paid all these fees and all the rest of it. It's like you've made about a thousand dollars. See, a lot of a lot of business gets confused because people chase revenue. I've got a Correct. ten million dollar company. Fucking good on you, mate. You know, I've got a fifty million dollar company. Yeah, fucking good on you, mate. Do you make money? No. You know, I was talking. I went to a I went to a business breakfast and um, you know, I was Hutchie's. Um, one of one of the largest construction firms in Australia. Um, I think they have a turnover of about two billion. Mm. Do you know what their margin is? Twelve percent, if they're lucky. Between one and two percent. There you go. Okay. So now we're talking about a guy who can sit in a room and go, "Do you know what? I've got a two billion dollar company. Now that's fucking cool, right? I make between one and two percent. That's scary. That is." truthfully so scary so the reason i say this is because don't chase revenue for the fact of saying i have you know i did 1.5 million in a quarter it sounds great right by all means and you know revenue to a degree is good to have but what you really need to work out is the fundamentals of the business comes in percentages how easy is it for me in this game to have a bottom line of a good percentage? Mm. How can I build this company so that, and it doesn't happen overnight, but so that as I stack the top line, i.e. the revenue, the bottom line gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Now you look at Hutchies at $2 billion in revenue, the fucking margin down the bottom gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm. Now that to me is scary. That to me will cause more stress than I can ever imagine. I work on a subscription-based model. So once we break even, let's say our break even for, for a gym is 200 members. That revenue, as that revenue grows, so the more members I sign, the bigger the margin gets down the bottom. That to me is exciting. 
So if I got 200 members, and I'm going to break this down to simple math. If I've got 200 members as my break-even, it doesn't matter if my break-even is a million or 10 million. Let's just say my break-even is 200 members. Each member pays me $60 a week. So in the space of a year to make numbers easy for 100 members, it's $300,000 in additional revenue. So when I go from 200 members to 300 members, that's an extra $300,000. That's all profit. Mm. Because my operating cost and my break even is 200 members. If I have another 100 members, that's 200 members on top of my break even. So it's 400 members in total. That's 600 profit. See, this is what I've done too, right? Because when I had the stroke, I had to think real fast. I was like, man, like... Yeah. I'm not going to be able to pay my expenses, keep a roof over my kid's head. Um, you know, and it, it did take a while to to fully recover from it. Like I, you know, for many, many weeks afterwards, I was having like two hour naps in the middle of the day, yeah. right? And just couldn't help myself. If I was driving at the time and I, I started feeling it, I had to pull over. I just had to sleep in the car. Okay. Like it was really, really rough. So I, I had to, I'm like, I have to figure this out. I, I actually genuinely have to figure out what the hell I'm going to do. And so for me, it was getting that contract and exactly what it was was okay i need a contract or multiple contracts that equal to this amount and i need to make sure that this contract if if i'm going to employ people to do what i would normally do by myself yeah right while i'm building because i've had plenty of companies in the past with multiple employees even one of them had up i think at the time 15 it was crazy yeah um and that was the biggest mistake i've ever made but <laughs> i said to myself i was going to build it myself for a little while and then go and start employing yeah but because of what happened i actually learned something which was amazing which was getting those contracts and then having or hiring people to handle the entire project start to finish and if they didn't know what to do or how to do it then educate them because i had a lot of time to educate and teach and they had a lot of time to actually do the do yeah i built their capacity so that way so i did a lot of capacity building with them so that way, by the time we got through one month one, month two, with these particular contracts that were in place, I had my break-even cost, and they were working at about 30 to 50% of yeah. their time with capacity for 50% more, which means that for the money that I was getting, my expenses were covered, Yeah, and then I could bring in 50% more work. Let's just say it's 10 grand hypothetically. Yeah. I could bring in another 10 grand and that could be my, my monthly yeah. income, yeah. right? And I still don't pick up a piece of paper or, or write anything down or, or yeah. do any kind of work at all. So, and I, like, so that's kind of how I built the agency as well, right? As I went out looking for the contracts, locked them in, hired people to do the work, trained them, built their capacity. And the first month or two, they could only handle what was given. And then as I was building their capacity and getting them into a routine, their capacity opened up, yeah. fit in more. You know what I yeah. mean? Uh, I mean... It is so difficult to, first of all, find good people to work with. Um, that's, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, secondly, um, it is not cheap. You know, we have an emphasis on culture where at change, we have this huge emphasis on culture. And there's, there's, a, there's a classic saying that says culture eats strategy for breakfast. Um, and, and I truly believe in it. But not only that, culture brings great people into the picture um we we just went through um and i think you applied for it it was you know we were looking for a a 
you know, ahead of marketing and also ahead of digital at change um, because I was fucking sick and tired of, of agencies who just promise the world and just don't deliver. It just fucking annoys me. But anyway, um, we basically went to market and, um, you know, we, we got to the interview stage and I had six interviews a day for three days and day one was, was, was shocking. And I'm thinking going like, do I just have to settle with this? And I'm going, no, don't settle. Don't ever settle. Day two, um, you know, we have the first five just, you know, I think there was one that was, you know, okay. But the last one, last one on day two. So this was Thursday, Friday. And the next round was on Wednesday. Um, the last one on the Friday was I think about 11 a.m. Um, or maybe at 12, I can't remember exactly. But the last one was on fire and um and he said to me he goes look you know i've got i've got half an hour and then i've got and then i've got another interview and i'm thinking fuck i don't want to lose this guy Mm -hmm. i don't want to lose him but i knew i was going for lunch at a place called um tropic in Mm -hmm. in the gold coast Mm -hmm. and um and i'm sitting there going mate are you available to come to lunch when you're finished because you know i want to i actually want to meet you face to face um because I want to, I want to introduce you to who we are as people, and and it's not about the lunch or the place that we have lunch at, um, but it's about building that culture from from the first moment, right? Yeah. And and we sat there, and myself and Emma, we just we're, we're full of life. I mean, if you, you know, if you ever see us and you want to have a chat, or you, you know, a- anybody who you know just wants to take five minutes, man, we're we're always up, we're always up for for a talk and you know to say hi to people, but but. We had a two-hour lunch, and um, you know, I, I said to him, "I said, who, who is, uh, who are you? Who's your other interview with?" And it's it's with probably one of the largest, um, or fastest-growing retail clothing brands in Australia, mm. and, and and it's huge, big budgets, um, you know, a little big scope. And I'm sitting there going, "There's only one thing." that's going to get him across the line and that's culture. We're not offering as much money. Um, you know, we're not offering the marketing budgets that he would have, but there's one thing they can't compete on and that's fucking culture. Yeah. And I was actually, I was actually, I think in Tamworth a week later and, um, and we're driving through Tamworth cause we're, 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 we've got a project there and we're driving through and, you know, I get a call from him and I'm like, I just don't know which way this is going to go. And, and he just says to me, he's like, Pete, I'm in. He goes, mate, what you and Emma have built and what journey you're about to embark on, I want to be in that. He goes, I want to be part of that. And I'm just sitting there and Luke's filming at the time and I'm like, fucking get this, get this, get this. You know, <laughs> um, you know and we've got, we've got, we've got, um, one of our vlogs coming up um, and and it's in there and I'm just sitting there I'm like, like making sure that he doesn't hear me because yeah, yeah. obviously you don't want to be too excited you want to play it cool and you know and then and I hang up the phone and I'm like this is why this is why you spend time on building culture mate let me tell you I, I literally because it's funny we're talking about that because just even two days ago uh, so Monday I, I interviewed a new ads buyer right now they're applying for a casual position i don't have enough work to have a, an ads buyer or a media buyer full-time yeah. let alone part-time right now 
Uh, but I do need someone that's going to cover off at least 15 to 20 hours a week minimum, right? Yeah. Where can uh, they apply? Can they apply? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, so online, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jump to our website. Yeah. But so this, this particular ads buyer that, that I was speaking to, man, I had five interviews lined up. Yeah. It was fucking crazy. Five interviews lined up. I'm talking to these guys. Um, you know, some of them were working for other agencies. Some of them were freelancers and they're looking for something, you know, more stable, um, you know, that kind of a thing. And um, I, I, every single one of them, I asked some pretty interesting questions. Yeah. So what's, what's your biggest success to date? What, what are you most proud of with your, yeah. with your career so far in, in media buying? And a lot of people had, oh, yeah, we did this. And then everyone goes to brag about some of the big wins that they've had. Yeah. This other guy, um, you know, his name was Vic. And Vic was pretty humble about his answer. And he goes, oh, he goes, I've had a few successes, but I think the thing that I'm most proud of was being able to manage a $17 million budget for a florist brand for a company in America. They were spending $17 million a month on ads Wow, for floristry. Wow. And he goes, just having the privilege to work on that account was extremely exciting. That's cool. You notice how straight away everyone else is, oh, I made this person millions of dollars and I made this person millions of dollars or I made this yes. and I did that and this much return on ad spend and all this crazy shit. Vic comes into the picture and he goes, oh, I'm actually proud that I got to work on such a big account to learn. That's awesome. Bang, first big tip. Second question that I asked them, I said, what's probably one of the biggest failures you've had? And uh, all these other guys, let me tell you, they were the first thing that they did was blame the client. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, this happened, but it was the client's fault and the client did this and the client did that, blah, 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 blah. Now, obviously for me, I sometimes I look at things and go, mate, fuck, you're an idiot. Why did you reduce that ad budget? We still had another week, two weeks of data to collect yeah. before we start making adjustments. Um, but I, I always reflect on that and figure out how I can better set yeah. expectations, for example, right? So how I can do better in that situation to, to have, make sure everyone's on board. And the, the interesting thing that Vic said was, um, I'm trying to recollect exactly what he said, uh, but it was along the lines of the iOS 14 update when the tracking was taken away from the actual device level. And so then all the platforms had to change it to the app level to do all of their, their, their content tracking. So that way they can do retargeting and things. Yep. He said his biggest mistake was wasting his customers' money. Wow. He said, oh, I couldn't believe it because I just thought it'd be fine and kept running ads with the budgets that they had set despite the iOS 14 update. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, my biggest failure was just, you know, being a little complacent and going, oh, no, it'll be fine and without actually further investigating. Yeah. But now the uh, all of the apps have updated, Shopify's updated, you know, Facebook's updated, all these yeah. things. Um, and I've learned the new algorithms and how they work and, and how to best utilize that data. And so now I don't have that problem anymore. Wow. And I'm still like fucking mind blown, dude. Because I'm like, all these these other, this, this whole lineup of people, they've got a lot to say. And yeah. they're telling me about, oh, this fucking client and that fucking client. And I'm just like, dude, <laughs> what yeah. the fuck? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, this sad. happened, but it was someone else's fault. First, you're first to blame someone else, are you, right? Yeah. Uh, anything that goes wrong in my business, I take responsibility. Totally. I, I don't even like mention anything. Uh, yeah, I'm really sorry about that. I will make sure personally that this gets resolved. Because yeah. things always go wrong. This guy, bang, responsibility. I fucked up. Yeah. This is how this is what happened. This is how I learned. 
Yeah. Bang. Culture already is I'm getting green flags and the icing on the cake, Pete, for me, the fucking icing on the cake with this guy. I said, why did your last client leave you? That's a pretty fucking full-on question, right? Like sharing your failure is vulnerable enough as it is. To say, why did your last client leave you? That's another one that kind of rocks the boat a little bit, right? And he goes, um, he goes, I'd say it was my fault. I didn't set the expectations with the client very well. Wow. And I'm like, so what do you mean by that? Like, can you elaborate a little bit? And he said, well, you know, my last client left because I started running ads for them. And then within two days, they said, well, I haven't got any leads yet. So we're, we're giving you the flick. And so the thing was, is that that client went into that engagement with the expectation that the first dollar spent would deliver a result. Yeah. And so for him, he was like, my last client left me. He goes, in fact, my last three clients left me for that (laughs) reason, because, you know, running ads is a long-term game. Totally. Especially if you've never run ads before. And I can attest to this, right? Yeah. If there's no data, good luck. Yeah. Because, and this is the funny thing, you work with agency one, two, three, four. Yeah. By the time you get up to the fourth one, the fourth one is using the data that was created in the first three. Totally. Because believe it or not, you know, with enough time, unless of course they were complete idiots, but uh, with enough time and with yeah. enough data analysis, you can deliver great results. Without a doubt. With data. But yeah, just in cultures, from a cultural sense, <coughs> you know, yeah. I went for that guy because I was like, he's like, it. he's reflecting, he's, he's, you know, looking internally on how he can improve the, the yeah. situation. And that's fucking awesome. And, and honestly, that's... um. You know, so many people, you know, and coming back to employing people and getting the right people, small businesses, when it comes to competing, don't ever forget you can compete on culture with anybody. And that's important. Let me get some yeah. water. Yeah, man. Go sure. Do it. It's right. Um, I completely agree with you, man. Uh, culture yeah. is a massive thing and you know, every single person on my team we have <coughs> some amazing culture yeah genuinely have some amazing mm. culture so and I couldn't agree more with and we I mean you're gonna laugh at this now we look at brands and we go how can we compete with Nike how can we compete with Chanel how can we compete with you know, some of the biggest brands out there. In terms of excitement, I look at Red Bull. I go, how the fuck can I compete with Red Bull? Because that's where I want to be. I want to be a brand where, you know, you go, fuck, I didn't know change was, you know, a health and wellness studio. I didn't know they do that. Um, I, want, I want to know how I can compete. And when you think about it, it's people, right? You've got a person a lot of people are working on the next summer campaign for Chanel. Those people are responsible for the shoot. They're responsible for the models, responsible for the budgets, responsible for the campaign and putting it together. I can compete with that. I can, I, I might not have the budgets, you know, to create the huge, you know, um, campaigns, but can I find a great content creator, yes, tick. Can I find great um, models who might not be Victoria's Secret models? Yes, 100%. Can I have a creative tank where we sit down and truly think about a campaign? Yes. Does technology today make it easier and easier to 
you know, take a photo and put it in a campaign that looks like Chanel? 100%. It all comes down to limited beliefs or unlimited beliefs. You're going to think this is fucking crazy, but if I put my finger over there, it's not too far off the Chanel fucking logo. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, um, and when we think about what we're creating... You're a cheeky shit, by the way. I can, I, can I just tell you? <laughs> I'm fucking trademark. I'm a registered trademark globally. Um, you know, but if I if you think about it, you got to think differently. You got to think. You know, what can I compete on? It doesn't matter where your starting point is today. It, it, it doesn't matter if you know you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, you know what, I'm going to go and you know compete with McDonald's, right? Mm. I'm going to go to the hospitality space, extremely competitive, um, extremely difficult to make money. Um, margins generally sit between, let's say, 5% if you're a poor operator to 20% if you're a great operator. Um, you know, franchises come in there and take, let's say, 8%. Um, so you're left with about 10 to 12% um, if you're a good operator. But can you compete? Yeah, you can. Fucking hell, yeah, you can. You don't need 5,000 stores to make good money. You know, people don't realize what lifestyle you live when you're making, let's start with 250000 a year, then doubling it to five. If you're making half a million dollars a year, you're living the life of the rich and the famous. People don't realize that it's not that difficult to get to 500000 What they don't realize is that it's very, very easy to get back down to fucking zero because you start getting excited, you start spending money, but... Mm. Building business, when you look back, comes down to people. People, culture, product, but first and foremost, people and culture. And, you know, I looked, I looked at the fitness industry um, and, and it's extremely saturated. But I will proudly say it's saturated with fucking average players. The majority of the gyms I walk into, whether it's a gym, a big box gym, a class-based studio, I walk in there and I'm like, clean up clean up you are messy you're fucking sloppy you're messy you don't care you should close your doors because if i came next to you your doors will close and i'm not arrogant at all i'm just very very confident with our product the way we look at it you know 65 percent of our members are female the majority of gyms were designed and have been owned and operated by men so you walk into your average gym and it is very male dominated you know i look at Mm. F45 and you know it's red white and blue and I go that's not attractive the look and feel of that is not attractive we actually went to a design team who design you know hotels and design restaurants and design you know really creative office spaces and we said create us a chic space that is a gym create a hotel look and feel that has gym equipment can I tell you by the way yes. I've seen all of the photos yeah, and uh, you know, I get tingles in my fingertips every time I look at it. I go, Jesus Christ, that looks good. Yeah. So you know, I, in terms of hitting the mark on on that, yeah. that vision that you had, you guys have fucking nailed it. Because even my partner, like I've shown her the yeah. photos. She's doing Pilates like somewhere else right now. Yeah. It's just like a sort of a casual studio. I showed her the photos. She's like, oh wow. It, it yeah. Is, it, it is just you know, um, <clears throat> break your audience down and give them what they want. It doesn't. The difference in look and feel between white paint and you know a a gray stone paint 
is minimal. The feeling that you get walking into change, you don't get that anywhere else. Mm. And no other brand that is large today is going to rebrand or say, look, we're going to change the color of who we are. It's not going to happen. Um, so anybody starting with whatever company they're wanting to start with, look at your composition. Do not follow your composition. Analyze your audience um, and give them what they want. This is what, you know, funny you mentioned that too, right? Because everyone says, you know, Dean, who's your competition? And I go, I don't really have any. What do you mean? Like you're running a marketing agency. You've got plenty of competition. Yeah. No, I said, but like the people, the things that other people are doing isn't what we do. Yeah. And, and I can even bring in a whole heap of clients. And the thing is that I've asked them, like, why do you work with us? Yeah. And the funny thing is, is that they all, I never, I've never said this to them. I've only just changed our, our messaging recently after getting that feedback, but they all have the same thing to say. And even now, I think the more powerful thing is, is that it's now come to the third degree. So I've have gone, walked into somewhere and had someone say, oh, I know who you are, you're Dean. And I go, okay, who are you? Like, have we met before? And they go, yeah. no, I heard about you. Yeah. And I know that you do stuff like this. And the difference for us, for example, right, is that everyone knows that the work we do is emotionally striking. Yeah. So one of our customers, um, they were like, oh, yeah, do you know, can you run ads for us and yada, yada, et cetera, and so on. Um, this is our ads before, get your bins clean, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it's proud bin cleaning. Um, and I said, no, no, I said, dude, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, well, that's how we've run our ads. And I said, no, no, like we need to scare the fuck out of people. And he's like, what? I said to him, you just need to scare the fuck out of them. I said, you need like an ad with a giant fucking cockroach hunt. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Where people look at it and throw their phone like, oh, God. Yeah. And then remind them that that's what their bin looks like. Yeah, totally. You know, have that emotionally striking yeah. content. You know, even film an ad that, you know, for example, there's spider webs are surrounding around your bin and your kids are running around there. And then a spider was it. And I told him, I said, we could do the 3D CGI shit, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Um, that so ad when it runs at you and yeah, you fucking yeah. throw your, I Even hate then, that. Right, like just having a spider jump, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or jump onto the clothing of, of a child running near yeah, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then biting them and having them in hospital. Yeah, yeah. Like, and then it's like, hey, keep your, yeah. keep your bins pest free. Yeah. But that's, if I was a dad or a mom, I'd be like, holy shit. No, I don't want that to happen to my kids. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm going to go and get my bins cleaned. If it's once a month, once a week, whatever the circumstances are, yeah. I want to get my damn bins cleaned. And so- that for him, like that's when he started to realize, he's like, holy shit, this isn't just another guy that runs ads. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. let's take your money and I'll run some ads for you. Yeah. This, this guy really knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Right? This guy actually strategizes. And then from that, getting the feedback from everyone else that yeah. you've worked with, they've all said the same. Yeah. And so even, even with that being said, right, it is, it's, it's about being in our own league. And that's the same for us is that like, they go, oh, you know, who's your competition? I go, I don't really have any. Yeah. They go, oh, yeah, but there's other people that do this and do this and do this. Yeah. And I go, yeah, but no one, no one, I go, yeah. go find a, a, a marketing agency out there that says they do emotionally striking marketing. Yeah. yeah. There isn't one. Yeah. Because for us, our, our biggest focus is on strategy. And I, frankly, I don't recall meeting at this point in time anyone else that that yeah. has the same focus as, yeah. as we do if you come to me and i know we're very goal driven too right if you came to me and said oh then can you run our ads or can you do this for us i'd say okay well what's the plan what's your goal uh you know do you need new, uh, 20 new customers you can't just say oh, i need new customers it's literally a policy for us 
I say, Pete, what is the result? Oh, I need an extra $20,000 in revenue per month. Yep. Okay, how many customers is that? Okay, great. We're going to work towards that. And yep. we'll, we'll work our fucking asses off until we get to that, that yep. goal. But we've had people come to us and then go, oh, I don't really know. Yep. And I go, okay, well, when you work that out, let me know. Because we don't take your money until we work it out and tell us what your goals are. Yep. And I've turned away, I kid you not, $12,000 a month contracts because the person doesn't have any goals. And I go, well, if you don't have goals and we can't work towards yeah. achieving the result, you're not. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, and having that, you're right. Is, is how don't look at you, you're the person next door and then try and follow in their yeah. steps. For us, we're creating our own path. 100%. You know, and that's why we've gotten to where we are in 120 days, right? It, it is it is so important to to know your market really well. Know what's going out there. Um, you know, we at Change often train at other studios. Um, and, and first of all, you, you, you do get tired of, you know, your own house. That's why people get really excited by staying in hotels and, you know, yeah. going traveling because they're like, fuck it, you know, I'm staying in a new bed tonight. I've got a new view. I've got, you know, great. <clears throat> um, we train at multiple other studios um, throughout the week and throughout the month um, because you can learn a lot and you can learn good things and you can learn bad things. Um, that That's really important, I, I, I believe, for anybody, you know, who anybody who has a business it doesn't matter where it is. When we had Milky Lane, we used to go to other burger restaurants and we used to go and eat there. Probably not enough. We probably should have gone more, you know. Mm. Um, don't rest on your biggest victories. Look at your biggest losses and focus on them. Mm. Um, you know, because victories don't last forever. Um, you know, we used to create viral content um, almost weekly at a certain period. It wasn't long before everybody started creating content that was similar and it was no longer viral because it was everywhere. Um, yeah. You know, I look at, I look at the, the competitive space, although I say they, they are average players, a lot of them have more members than us and I question why. Um, and I look at education. You know, we offer 80 classes per week of functional training, reformer Pilates, yoga and breath work in one timetable. Um, you know, for one membership fee. And I and I look at that and I go, I need to educate, you know. So our marketing pieces, you know, our, our core values around the business is, is, you know, one is to educate. Um, and we need to educate our members, you know, not just about, um, hey, it is good to have a holistic approach to health and wellness, but also um, what you do and how you do it is very, very important. And, and then that's one of the biggest reasons with, with high intensity interval training is, you know, very rarely do they tell you to slow down. Very rarely. I mean, it comes with the name. Fucking it's high intensity interval training. You know, general pop cannot continue to do that five to six days a week. Most gyms struggle with retention. Um, and, and that's an issue. You know, yes, we can we can get a new member and most of the time they give away two weeks free or four weeks for free and they believe that they have a great model because, you know, the classes are full. You know, we look at member numbers, yes, but more importantly, we look at revenue because revenue pays invoices and member numbers don't. Um, and ultimately, what, what you're trying to build is, is, a, is a subscription model whereby if you grow by two members per week, this is how crazy the numbers are, and 
you know anybody in the in the fitness game especially within you know group training if you grow by two members per week that's a hundred members per year when you hit your break even which i said earlier was 200 members if you're on 200 members the end of this year you're going to be on 300 members that's an extra three hundred thousand dollars in your account at the end of next year by two members a week you're going to be on six hundred thousand dollars now you start looking at lifestyle choices once you're earning six hundred thousand dollars a year and you're truthfully looking at opportunities, that's when you start going, okay, this is cool. I can start having a bit of financial freedom. I can start looking at other businesses to invest in. Okay, I can look at opportunities. I can go on, you know, the holidays now I go on a, I can fly business class. And to someone like myself who, you know, who grew up and, you know, I always wanted to be successful. I know that, like, that was, you know, but I think everybody does. You know, very rarely do I meet someone who goes, oh, do you know what, I'm, I don't want to be successful. Yes, you might not want to, and be a millionaire, and yes, you might not want it, but I think everybody wants to a degree to live their own life in their own terms, whatever that might be, and that comes, there's there's one, there's one element to that that makes that possible, and unfortunately, that's money, you know, money, and you know, they say money can't buy happiness, Um, you know, money buys opportunities, and it buys you options, and you know, that gives most people what they want. I couldn't agree you know and and i'm not i'm not shy to say that i'm motivated by money um you know a lot of people find it you know awkward talking about money um i don't um i enjoy talking about money um i enjoy success i enjoy the journey to success i do not like failure um even though it's happened multiple times in my life and it will happen again um, but, but ultimately I, you know, I think any person starting a business today, my, my biggest advice is fucking go for it, go for it. You live in a, you live in a, you live in a country where even if you fall on your ass and you fall on your face and you know, you know, worst case scenario, you got to bankrupt yourself. Worst case scenario, nobody's going to remember it. Number one, number two, the government will fucking give you money to get back on your feet, That's right. you know? Go for it. You have nothing to lose. Absolutely nothing to lose. Any friend who you feel that you will lose is not a friend. Any business partner that you fear that you will lose is not a real business partner. Go for it. Because if you do, you're more likely to succeed than if you don't. That's right. You miss every shot you don't take, correct? That's exactly And what The funny thing is as well is a lot of people mistake this, right? So for me, there's a lot of principles to starting a business. If you're, if you're looking to, to become an entrepreneur, build a company, that's your goal. That's what you want to do, mm -hmm. right? Number one is from the get-go, I'm going to give you this advice now, be brandable, yeah. right? Because if you are, um, you know, uh, John Smith's corner shop, right? You can't sell it. You can, but it's not a brand. It's not something that can expand. It's not something that can get bigger than just that corner shop. Yeah. Right, uh, if it's if it's something like that, very very difficult. It's not a brandable thing. So for you, you've got change, yeah. And that one speaks for itself. For me, I've got Vivo, yep. right? Now with Vivo, it's a nice, easy Vivo, easy, nice, simple, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. You couldn't you couldn't get that one wrong. Four letters, I love it. I'm fucking over the moon about it. Vivo. Oh. So I look at this these things and I go, these are brandable. If one day, and I talk about like how we've got the valuation, 
I haven't made a single dollar from my business, right? Yeah. Since it started. Yeah. But if I sold it today, I'd be half a million richer. Yeah. Right? If I was to sell it today. Do you think Vivo can sell today without you? Honestly. No. Okay. Right? So whoever buys it would have to employ me for the next three years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So All right. I don't plan on yeah, selling yeah, yeah. it for at least another three, four yeah. years, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but... You know, with all of that being said, number yeah. one, rule number one, be brandable. Well, it's not really rule number one, but one of those rules, right, yeah, yeah. is totally. be brandable. Because if you're not, no one's going to buy you. Right? Your brand is everything. And, and you know, I, I say your brand is everything and everything is your brand. And, and, and I talk about this in, um, you know, we, we started compiling. Well, one of the things that we did at Change from the very beginning was create content. And um, we're very fortunate today that, you know, we have a full-time content creator and two part-time content creators um, who, who have different strategies, but ultimately, if you look at change as a brand, there's a lot of content. Um, we have a we have a YouTube page, and on one of the things that we say is that you know when, when you're a startup, and I say when you're a startup, when you're starting up your business, um, you are the brand. That's right. And there's no greater branding example than Richard Branson with Virgin. And you know, you look at you, you talk about Virgin, you straight away you get an image. Of Richard Branson he is an individual when you talk about branding and you talk about how to excite people and how to build a brand that you can sell 100% make a brand that you can sell and this is one of the things that you know when I started IROC Entertainment I didn't understand you know scalability I didn't understand branding um, and it's gonna sound fucking crazy me saying this but IROC Entertainment was created by I rock entertainment. Like I was a fucking, I was a party boy back in my day. I used to party and, you know, I, I, I rock. That was it. There was, you know, um, and, and then that's what it was about. And then, and then we built off that. We had I rock creative. We had a creative agency and I rock models. We had a, you know, and, and all these things, because when you're, when you're excitable in the beginning, you pretty much go, fuck up. I am, a, I'm, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. Now I got iRock Entertainment. It's going really well. I've got iRock Models, and we used to do like dances at you know um, at Ivy and like all these different things. And you know, then I had iRock Creative because I was paying you know so much money for graphic designers. I was like, I'll just start a creative agency, and I lost so much money doing that. Um, you know, but all these things, you basically, you know, and, and then the brand iRock. I was like, I can't really scale it. I have this brand, and I can't sell it really because. All the relationships or personal relationships with myself and you know i actually ended up selling it to um to to one of my i guess at the time they were they had their own brand called um trademark promotions and um they were working we were kind of working on joint ventures together and um i ended up selling it to them because they were the only ones who could take over it and you know iraq entertainment is still alive today they do every thursday at iv um which is a huge huge event um, you know, and I'm proud of the boys for what they've achieved. It, it, it's phenomenal. They they did an event with Carl Cox, and you know, like to see a brand that you created still being alive 12 years later, um, when when companies just close so quickly these days, it, it's it's great to see their success. You know, um, but being brandable 100%. I also think you need to know what your goal is. Right. You need to know, are you are you buying financial freedom? Are you buying, you know, time freedom? What do you want to get out of this company? Because there are people who create companies today to simply travel the world and just to fund that. And I look at it and I go, that's fucking awesome. You and I want the same thing. We want money, right? 
Yeah. And, um, you know, we want to create this this wealth so that we can pass it on to generations. And, you know, for me, I want to build teams, you know, within the company and, you know, I want to have them live, you know, a successful life and be able to have whatever they dreamed of. Um, you know, that's what I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of creating, you know, a company that internally had a successful fucking team. Mm. You know, there's no point of being at the top by yourself. Um, and that comes through time. But know what you want. Before you go into this company, whatever it is, whatever your startup is, before you go into it, know what you want. Because if you're going in there to fucking earn money, I can guarantee you the first 12 to 24 months, you're going to earn less than what you could today working for any other company. If you had half a re half a level of skill set, um, you're going to earn more money doing that. I think it, at, at Milky Lane currently, I think minimum wage for anybody who serves alcohol is $29 an hour. Like, holy fuck, $29 an hour. And then on weekends, you get you get loadings on top of that. Do you know how much money that is? People tell me today that, you know, it's hard to it's hard to get ahead. And, uh, and I'm like, you're limited to 38 hours a week, you fucking bitch. Seriously. Like, 100%. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, 30, yeah, yeah. 38 hours, 38 hours per week. Let's say 40 hours per week at $30 an hour. You're looking at, what, $1,200 just there. And then you go, shit, I could, you know what, really, I can easily work an extra 20 hours. That's $1,800. This is on minimum wage. So $1,800, that's $90,000 a year. And I'm going, you can't make money from that. The issue is we have a society right now and it's protected by the government. And what it means is, um, you know, anybody who works overtime now, according to the government, has to be paid penalty rates or double time if you're working in in retail hospitality in retail or hospitality. Yeah, and, and I look at it and go, the government is almost saying, don't work more than thirty eight hours a week, because why? Why are we encouraging people not to work over thirty eight hours a week? Because as an employer, what you're saying to me is, when they earn thirty eight hours a week, tell them to leave, because I'm not going to pay you double time when I can pay somebody else single time for that extra 39th hour or whatever hour it is. Um, yeah. And that's a society that's got a really dangerous turn coming very soon because we're breeding a society where people are encouraged at 38 hours, which is a very fucking short week, to stop working. And that's why we have limited funds in our bank accounts because at 38 hours, you're right, you're probably going to break even. You're never going to afford a mortgage. You're never going to get ahead because unfortunately at 38 hours, you go home and you watch TV and Netflix and all the rest of it. And that's fucking dangerous. And this is a confronting conversation for a lot of people, right? And this is the same kind of um, culture that I've set here. Not necessarily what you were saying in terms of 38 hours being the cap, but the culture that I have here, I remember one time I left the office at like seven. This entire office, the whole office closes at seven. I should probably stay back later some days, yeah. right? I walk out of my office, Linda's there. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, Linda, what are you doing here? Like, you're supposed to finish at four. It's three hours later. And she goes, oh, I've got a lot of work to do and I don't leave until the job is done. <clears throat> she gets paid for all those hours. Yeah. And I'm paying her for every hour that she does over time. Yeah. It's not necessarily like it's not a food and beverage or retail or anything like that. Yeah. But I pay her for every damn hour she sits at that desk, right? But it's the culture that's there that she is there working. You yeah. have to pay her. She's casual. She's not full-time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like she gets yeah. tired. <laughs> Whatever else. Right? Yeah. 
Um, but she is there and she is sitting there and she yeah. has my every approval to sit there until the job is done. If that yeah. means that she's there till seven o'clock, yeah. right, to get the job done, then she is there till seven o'clock and, and God, I will walk her to her car to make sure she gets there safe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you see, like for me as, as well, this is part of my selection process. I've even got some of my staff members um, that, that work for me that are based overseas as well, right? Or remote yeah. or, or whichever location. There's actually some even in Australia that work remote. Yeah. I get fucking emails at two o'clock in the morning. Hey, I had, I had 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, I've just been awake, something happened, whatever. Yeah. I had 30 minutes to kill. Um, I've just done this for you. Uh, you know, please review two, three, four o'clock in the fucking morning. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the culture where they're like, no, no, I want to work because I want to hurt because I want to contribute to the greater vision. Everyone here for, for me with yeah. Vivo Digital, everyone's just on board for the vision. Yeah. They want to come for the journey. Yeah. And they, they're willing to put in the hours to make sure we all get there, right? Yeah. And so for me, like, that's the same journey I'm on, right? Is that I, I put in the hours to see that vision come to life too. Yeah. So, you know, and it is, it's, I couldn't agree more with yeah. that, this whole idea of creating this culture of, no, no, 38 hours, like if it's six yeah. o'clock, seven o'clock at night and your employer calls totally. and says, oh, you know, can you come in for an extra couple of hours, whatever, yeah. and you turn around and say, oh, no, sorry, it's after 5 p.m., I'm too busy, yeah. um, you know, and you're not supposed to call me, I'm not at work anymore. Yeah. Come on. And look, I, I, <laughs> look for, for me, for me, there are you know, employees out there and that's all they want to be. And I'm like, fucking good on you. You know, you know what you want and, you know, I, I, I get it. You know, well, yeah. actually, that's a lie. I don't get it. But, you know, I get that there are people out there that that's all they want to be. But we're living in a society where the price of everything is going up. Um, you know, inflation is going up. You know, minimum wage is going up slightly. Um, but there are a lot of people who will only do the minimum and expect the maximum. And that's an issue because, you know, you've just said it, um, the last three months you haven't taken a wage. Um, at Change, it took us it took us two years um, before myself and Eva to, took a salary. Um, and that was only from July 1 this year. And for anybody who's been following the Change journey, it's been one hell of a journey, um, you know, because you've got to sacrifice. That's you know, right. I'm blessed that I have a position where I have companies that, you know, I can take a salary from in order to to live a lifestyle. However, it's um, it's difficult at times. It took you twelve years, Pete. Hold on, let's let's yeah. just take a minute. Yeah, right? yeah. It's been twelve years. Yeah. And similarly, I actually find this funny. Um, I've actually realized through this interview because we've known each other like since like 2017, 2018, yeah, yeah. right? And funny enough, it's it's actually blown my mind the similarities that we have. Yeah. Because I've been in business 12 years too. Yeah. I've only hit a certain point yeah. in, in my life where I'm having sort of different times of success as yeah. well. Uh, as well as, you know, our journeys, what drives us, yeah. what motivates us. Uh, you know, even similarities with our health issues, you know, cause yeah, yeah. change. So it, it, it's incredible because I mean, you know, along the way you have wins. I mean, I have wins, you know, sometimes weekly and you know, whether they're big or small, I, I try try and celebrate them, um, you know, and, you know, there's been times where, you know, cash has been flush and there's been times where it's been extremely tight. Um, and, you know, that will happen again. You learn to be smarter with your money once you, once you have family. But when you have, when you, when you don't fear losing everything, you know, at times you can get in positions that coming back to the beginning of the conversation where, 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 you know, you put yourself in stressful situations. Um, yeah. But but ultimately, um, there is no greater feeling. There is no greater feeling for me, um, you know. And I know that 
Emma would back me in saying this, there is no greater feeling that when you have created a brand and you've created a culture and along the way you start working on little projects that come off. You know, we just launched a, an apparel line um, and we just did the photo shoots and, you know, these days where you just have this, these little wins, you know, you stop really focusing on purely the financial goals as such and you start focusing on, you know, the brand that you're building and the movement that you're creating and, you know, that, that, that to me is the, the ultimate um, goal in life and, you know, the ultimate goal in business is, you know, to be able to cr create a brand and a culture that goes beyond the internal staff. You know, I'm very blessed that we're able to move that on to our members and, you know, all you have in this world is, is, is your health. And, you know, if you can accommodate that with your happiness, those are two words I think that every person dreams of having every day. Health but and happiness. That's it, you know, like, fuck, man, if I could wish it, anything onto anybody, and, and I truly do, is is I wish you to be healthy and I wish you to be happy for as long as you can, you know. Um, and, and the rest of it, that's up to you. You know, you can you can make the rest happen and, and see how that goes. But, yeah, that's, yeah, anybody, anybody who's thinking about this journey right now, fucking go for it, man. I think it. there's one more topic I want to cover yeah. before we kind of cool. wrap it up, right? And that topic is, so we, we talked about being brandable. Number yeah. One. Because you know what? Uh, you know, a great way to actually amass wealth is by having a brand that exits, mm. right? And you would know, especially leaving F45, Beach Fit, Milky Lane, yeah. so forth, right? Yeah. That's, that's kind of just the, the way that it goes. But it does take a lot of work to build them, right? To, yeah. to be able to amass that wealth. Now, that's the first part that I mentioned. Now, the other one was marketing and sales are the lifeblood of any startup or any person starting a business. Yeah. A lot of people make this mistake. They're cruisy. Oh, no, this, it'll come, you know. Marketing and sales, forget everything else. Like, I tell you what, we've been running the last 120 days and, and building all these clientele without a project management software. Yeah. Because I sat there going, number one, the process is going to change along the way. Yeah. So we can start creating what that process looks like and how we're going to do it and then implement the system. The number two was it was really fucking expensive. Yeah. If I haven't taken a fucking wage in three months, yeah. listen, man, I'm not paying 250 bucks a month, 300 bucks a month for yeah. software Yeah. when I could be putting that 300 in my pocket just to cover some basic expenses like fucking fuel. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially you know with the cost I mean? at the moment. Yeah, for so sure. Like, for sure, man. Like check in with the team. Do we need a project manager yet? Yes. Okay, but hold on a minute. How bad is it? Can yeah. you manage right now? Yeah. Yes. Okay, great. We don't need a fucking project manager yeah, yeah. at all. We don't need to develop that yeah. process of how we do this. Yeah. Now we've got one because now it's gotten to a point where things are falling through the gaps that we don't want to fall through the gaps. Totally. So the resolution is the the system that helps to make yeah. sure that the processes are, are, are met and, and that way we deliver to our clients yeah. every word that we promised them, right? So, you know, we, we put that fire out, but what we've been focused on to get to this near million dollar, million dollar valuation, right, is marketing and sales. We have just been marketing ourselves and yeah. selling like fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? We're talking cold email campaigns. We're talking, you know, literally I've been door knocking, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whatever it takes to build the account. So, I mean, marketing and sales, because for you especially, you run a gym franchise, yeah. right? And- you know, or like a gym franchise, a bit of, bit of lo a lot of different things. Let's call it a wellness, yeah, yeah. wellness franchise, yeah. right? You're talking about 
two customers a week. But for you, I mean, what's what's the ideal situation to build and operate and run a business? Like, what's what's the ideal scenario there it's with marketing? Ideal situation? It's yeah, the heartbeat of every community around the world. Yeah, every community. That's what we want to do. Um, you know, an ideal when you talk, we, you talk. We're going granular. You're talking numbers, or you're talking what is what is our big hairy audacious goal what are you talking a little bit of old del paso my friend porque no las dos both, right <laughs> all right so ultimately we talk about experience right so we have a member experience and we have a franchisee experience those are the two priorities within our game that we play i want the member to have the best member experience out of any you know fitness experience that they've ever had you know that's number thank one. you yeah like experience customer experience is yeah. number one yeah without a doubt um, you know, and for us, because we operate in a, in a B2C market and also B2B market in terms of looking at a franchisee almost as them running their own business, because that's what it is, making sure that they have the best experience. Yeah. You know, what does that come down to? Um, ultimately, it comes down to systems, and that's what we sell. It comes down to great branding and marketing, but also great financials, making sure that they financially are setting targets and, and reaching them. You know, that's, that's really important. I'm always a big fan of on that note, right? Is is so yeah. customer experience where there is a problem. Everyone thinks customer experience. Oh, I need to decorate this a certain way, or I need yeah. to, you know, they overthink it. But realistically speaking, customer experience to have a really good experience is yeah. just friction. Yeah. So what is the friction point? What makes it hard for someone to do yeah. business with you? What makes it like? It's like right now, right? You go and call a gym franchise, and you go, oh, yeah, so what's your what's your weekly fee? Yeah. Right. And they go, oh, you should come in for an interview. Yeah, first, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. like, no, I just want to be. Yeah, yeah. Already, that's friction. Yeah, yeah it's you totally. use that to get them in, right? Yeah. But it doesn't work. There's friction doesn't there, work. right? I just yeah. want an answer. Yeah. Can I afford it or can I not? Because yeah. otherwise, you're wasting both people's. Yeah. Time. We're looking at right. automations at the moment, and we're looking at AI, and you know, the, the, you know, for somebody who, you know, mm. I feel like I'm as <laughs> up to date as possible, you know, with with what's what, but but like. You know, I look at automations and AI and I got fucking no idea, right? That's why I've got people, um, you know, on the team who who truly know what's what's happening. Um, and I said to them, I said, you know, we've got, we got, you know, working and working in, in in the fitness business, you know, you still got to make cold calls, That's right? right. And, I, and, I, and I look at it and I, and I said to, I said to Brett the other day, I said, Brett, you know, right now we've got, you know, we're getting about 80 to 100 leads a week. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, what? make something a hot lead versus a cold lead and being you know our, our first studio was based in broad beach that studio has a very transient crowd very similar to bondi there's a lot of holiday makers there's a lot of travel makers there's a lot of people coming up from melbourne who have apartments in broad beach and do you know what some of them just don't want to be a fucking member so ask them do you want to be a member yes or no right if they don't want to be a member we don't need to call them because we're wasting time and we're wasting energy and it's making our numbers look really bad. Because when I look at my numbers, I go, look, we need a 25 to 35% fucking closure rate. If we don't have that, I'm looking at Brett, who's our studio manager, and I'm going, Brett, what's going on? And he's like, Pete, you know, we've got, we've got all these people that we that they leads, but they're cold leads because a lot of them are year on holiday, they're year up from Melbourne, you know, they don't want to be a member. So when you talk about friction, I said, spoke to Jared, who's head of marketing. I said, Jared, why don't we ask them? Why don't we ask them straight away? As soon as they, as soon as they fill out a lead form, why don't we ask them? Now, some people go on to go on to Facebook. They see this awesome studio, and they're like, Oh, I want to train there. Boom! I'll fill out a form. 
we don't do any free trials. I don't believe in free. So we do it $39 for four days, which is actually more expensive than our week to week, which is actually 77. Um, however, you know, we sell so many of these $39 from four days because they think the perception is that it's cheaper. Um, so they look at it and they go, do you know what? I want $39 for four, for $39 for four days. Here's the lead form, boom, send it off. So why don't we ask them straight away? Do you want to be a member? Yes. I want to train first or no. Out of that, we can easily remove any friction that we have. Because let me tell you, I get annoyed when I get called from companies that I'm working with just in regards to, um, I don't know, let's say Mercedes-Benz calls me. Hey, your car's being for a service. Cool. Why don't you just send me a message saying, mate, your car's ready to pick up. You don't have to call me. You know, people don't want to be bothered in that sense today because we live in a very seamless society. Um, I think there's an algae fridge now that you take the milk out if you don't return it within, I think it's something like 10 minutes, they order you another fucking bottle of milk, right? So, so people want to live in a society where they're not bothered. That's crazy. Right? And crazy, right? But if you yeah, think yeah. about it, you start building a shopping cart of items that you don't return in the fridge. And you know, let's say every Thursday, boom, your shopping goes off to Woolworths. Woolworths turns up to your house on Friday. Boom, you've got your shopping. Pretty awesome, yeah. right? Now, if we work in the society, which is becoming more and more um, contactless, as they call it, mm -hmm. um, why are we creating systems where we've got to contact them? And this is where you have to be smart in everything you create. Make it, make that member experience seamless. Remove the friction completely. Um, because that's how you're going to win. Look at Amazon. They didn't win because it's fucking, you know, you got to call them up and, you know, wait 30 minutes on the phone to fucking order something. They won because fucking that experience is just. Mate, I ordered a fucking. Like one of the guys in my office is like, oh, you know, those microphones you use, Yeah, you know, I want to create some content for myself, you know, do you, yeah. you know, where did you get it from? And I told him, I said, look, what we use is like $800, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, for a, for a dual mic pack, right? And I said, but I said, I do know of a product online on Amazon. If you want to order it for you now, just, you know, send me the 30 bucks. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a cheap version. He goes, oh, okay, how long will it get here? I looked and I mean, oh, tomorrow morning. Yeah. He's like, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. That's what I mean. Yeah? That's what I mean. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, but, but that's what yeah, I mean. Yeah. You know, and, and you you look at Amazon as, as a company, and you go, what the fuck? Like, what the actual fuck? And um, you know, you, I look at Jeff Bezos, and and he made this comment the other day. You know, I think he's got like a three hundred billion dollar company, of which I think he owns something like, let's just say, I don't know, fuck, I don't want to make numbers up, but let's just say he owns, you know, ten percent to make things easy. And he goes, you know what? I might have, you know, a net a net worth of thirty billion. It's a lot higher than that, but you know what? He goes, I made two hundred and seventy billion dollars for other people, and you look at that and you go, I fucking take my hat off to that. Yeah, you know, because we look at small business. We talk about small business, small and medium sized businesses. You know, you were talking earlier about a million dollar business. Like I said to you, I think you can grow a billion dollar business. I think. You know, um, I think we all have the opportunity to to do so. But how often do we ever talk about how much, how many billions or millions we can make for other people? Correct. Like you know, I think that 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 that's powerful to me. You know, um, yeah, that that that's something that I look at and I go, that's fucking exciting. When you can talk about, you know, you know, openly, I created two hundred and seventy 
billion dollars for other people, I take my hat off to that. I go, that's fucking, that's a game changer. That's cool. That is cool. That is cool. And like, you know, I think I'm in a prime opportunity to do that too as a marketing agency. And I always think about it like in terms of an advertising perspective, but never really on a sentimental level. Yeah. And I have, I've made a lot of people a lot of money in the past. Yeah. It kind of blows my mind just thinking about it now. But I use it as a marketing tool rather than it's like the, the point of view that you share. I haven't actually thought of it that way. Yeah. Which is the sentimental value of it, which is look at all these people that help. Yeah, 100%. You know? So that's, that's awesome. That's a really good way to think about it. So, yeah. But, uh, mate, look, just to wrap up the interview, yeah. you know, was there any sort of last remarks that you wanted to share with anyone or all the audience? Brief. I think, I think what people need to understand is that it's, it's easy. It's easy to, it's easy to start a company. Mm. It's easy to, you know, own a business. It's easy to even get to the point of, you know, considering yourself to be an entrepreneur. Um, it's hard to fucking last in this game. It's hard to to manage the pressure, manage the people, manage the budgets. It's hard. But if you fucking give it your best and you and you truthfully have a clear strategy as to what you want to achieve and how you're going to achieve it and and you want it bad enough, you can do it. And and I would honestly tell anybody today, go for it. Awesome. Go for it. Hey, thank you so much for coming by. And to everyone at home, uh, if you want to look at the video podcast of all of this as well, you can check us out on YouTube at launch day. Uh, and if you want to check out change, if you want to find out more about change, the change franchises, or even becoming, a, you know, even a customer of change. Yeah. Uh, hey, where do, where do we find you? Um, jump on, jump online, type in um, change.com. Change is part with a three, C-H-A-N-G, three.com. Um, yeah, we're, we're opening in multiple multiple territories we've got 32 territories sold so um yeah six open and it's um it's exciting growth for us so that we want opening up soon and guys by the way i mean if you are listening and wanting to open up a franchise there's a special right now it's buy one get one for me uh so <laughs> if you yeah. guys are thinking about opening <laughs> one up you know it's uh i'm hoping we can organize that no no yeah look let me tell you if you want to buy one and you want to open one i'll, I'll give you that let me tell you um you know I'm, I'm happy the more we open the better the, the better we get fantastic awesome. fantastic mate thank you so much no thank you for coming by i know you're a busy man and it was just amazing that i'll the stars aligned when i spoke to you and, and yeah. our schedules kind of married up so i really appreciate you coming down dude and look you know i'm happy to do this again go and go through your progress uh man i'm super stoked for you you know seeing your journey so far as well and seeing everything online it is absolutely awesome but pete thank you so much for coming along Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Awesome. It's everyone at home. We'll see you again. Oh, well, I'm not sure when. Usually I used to say the uh, the punchline, we'll see you again next week. But and on this occasion, I'm going to say we'll see you again next time for the next episode. And if you are listening, maybe hit that bell notification to find out every single time a new, a new podcast episode comes out. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Take care. Thanks, mate.